So now this is where the real podcast happens again, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. Welcome to the Potosaurus. This is just a little intro chorus. Welcome to the Potosaurus. Figure it out. (laughs) And then it like never for me it sounds off. I don't know. Anyway. Hello everyone, welcome to Podosaurus. My name is Lou and joining me today is Timber. It's me. Timber Teft. Your boy. Timber Taft, your boy. Here in the flesh, known for my hit single, Gary Oak. <laughs> How are you doing, Kyo? I'm existing. I'm, I'm doing an existence. I I took a nap this evening and then Me ate too. my dinner late and then got here. Wow, uh, are, we, see, used... did we just did we just like fucking shadow live each other's life? Because <laughs> I mean, you you are my echo fighter. I am so. your echo. Yeah, we're we're both echo fighters. Of. This is actually a really weird episode, too, because I don't think it's just been the two of us for a long time. No, it has not been the two of us <laughs> in quite a it's while. It's either been me and Ken, you and Ken, me, you, and Ken, and occasionally Fangirl. Yes. <laughs> but like, I don't think it's been just the two of us since we did the first iteration of this at one point. Yeah, well, has it really not been since, like, the pilot? Because I thought that was kind of weird, too. I was yes. like, hmm, me and Kyo, when did that last happen? <laughs> it's been a bit. Which sucks, too, because, like, I was telling people, they're like, so what are you doing on the the, the episode? I'm like, well, Timber and I both got a, like, he got a PS5, you know, within, like, the past six or so months. I got an Xbox Series X. We could talk about new things. And I'm like, this is the one time Ken would know everything <laughs> that we're talking about <laughs> and he is not here yeah, ken's like oh my god finally an opportunity finally i'm talking yeah mainstream triple a games hell yeah and to to everyone's like surprise or or pleasure or whatever i haven't played a single indie game since the last time i was here so proud of you it it, t- it takes it's that first step that you needed to which, on the flip side, I did play an indie game oh my briefly. God. What happened? <laughs> um, so I got my Xbox Series X. I actually ordered it. Oh, uh, it's today. Let's see. I ordered it the day that we recorded this, the last episode of this. So it was about two weeks ago or so, whatever that was. Um, I ordered it that day. I got it on the Friday, and um, I got Game Pass with it and everything. Like I have like Game Pass through September or some bullshit. So I was just downloading whatever. And whenever I get a new system, I, I kind of give everything a fair shot again. Like, within reason, there's some things like, well, I know I don't like online competitive shooters, so, like, things like Call of Duty I'm just not going to touch. Or, like, sports games, racing games, those really don't change for me. I might install Forza Horizon or, like, the new one and just, like, check it out. But, like, for the most part, that stuff doesn't appeal to me. But, like, everything else, I'm like, well, you know, I haven't played so-and-so series in a long time or... 
you know, having Game Pass, I'm like, well, they have about 100 games on here. Let me just look and see which ones I've never seen before. Do they have an interesting looking tile? Oh, they do. I'm going to download you. So I've downloaded two indie games that I tried. One of them was called, uh, what was it? I want to make sure I get the the adjective correct for this one. And of course, the Xbox app is incredible garbage. Wait, what is, why, why don't you ever load when I need you to? Called Mighty Goose. Okay. Is it anything uh, like a goose game? <laughs> so, what, um, so it's not like that at all. It's a fast-paced run-and-gun shooter. Oh, okay. Starring a bounty hunter goose. It's 2D with um, like sprite art or you know pixel art type of thing. And you play as a goose that oh has these God. robot arms on its body. This it is... also can go into a mech seat and a can and like a um, uh, tank and stuff like that. It's it's the I don't remember what Contra is like. It is the cutest reimagining of Metal Slug that I've seen. Yeah, it's like a Metal Slug con- like one of those type of games, and like it's fun. Like your default ability, like you have a different guns. So like you have your normal one, but then you can get like a machine gun, laser gun, stuff like that for upgrades. But like um, the you have an extra ability, which the default one is just honking. <laughs> you just can honk because you're goose. it doesn't do anything, but then you can get more abilities to replace that. And you also get other bird companions to be like your sidekicks and stuff. And I think one of mine was just a regular old bird is what it was called. Uh, but I, I liked it. It's it's still one of those like hard, hard like 2D side scrollers where I'm just like, okay, I'm not having fun. But like I had enough on the first level. It just it got hard quickly for me because I'm just not good at those games. But I did like that. I like the idea of it because it's a fucking goose with like robot arms. Uh, so yeah, I might actually. I forgot to play three games. Uh, keeping up the bird thing. After that, I tried playing Skatebird, um, which I think began its life as a meme. It's basically Tony Hawk meets a bird. Like your your skater is a bird. Uh, the game is nigh unplayable with its controls because it's just. Uh... It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It kind of feels like a like it feels like it both an asset flip and like an art project, right? But like an art project for like a middle schooler. But it was like cute the first level, whatever. But like it's just so hard to control, and like I don't I don't know. It, I I was like I was gonna play through because had easy achievements, and then like I got to the second level, I'm like I can't get any of these because the controls are awful. So I moved on. There's something then the last aesthetically similar to this um it's it reminds me a lot of that old like hot wheels game where like Mm. it had this sort of like pre-rendered background but you were riding on the the hot wheels track through like people's apartments and stuff it's probably just because it has this whole like mouse vibe like you're you're a bird but you're in in like a tiny little apartment yeah like the all the stuff in the house becomes like the ramps and things like that or like the like scissors up or there's scissors around like the table to keep you from falling off like it's all built from whatever it is or like whatever's in the room but cute concept absolutely awful to try and play like i don't i'm, I'm happy it was free on game Pass. but is there game like... pass isn't free but it was free to try it on there now, what is the deeper takeaway, though? Like, I'm sure that there is some inherent meaning to Skatebird. It's actually about depression, <laughs> where everyone wants to be a bird, but birds aren't real. Yes, uh, I mean, you can see in the, to... you can see in the back corner of the screenshot this this guy's got like 
50 billion socks in a laundry basket he never cleaned. Like, obviously, this guy is going through some shit. And it's our job like as skateboard to, to learn it. has about that it. juxtaposition of, like, like skateboarding's about, you know, sticking it to the man and being rebellious. And then you have birds, which are robotic drones used by, like, created by the government to spy on us. And that's why they're not real, because they're, you know, fake. But then you combine the two of, like, the rebellion of skateboarding with the, the fake robotic drone life, life of a bird... So it's like it, it, there's there's something there. There's definitely something there, and it's ultimately an indie game about depression. Yeah, I look forward to your video life. on it. Yes, I'll make a, <laughs> I'll make a, a thirty minute long video that will take me ten years to get out. Yeah, be the timber special. It it it, it better. It, it I, I look forward to seeing this, um, man. Mm-hmm. The final indie game I played um, was Cyber Shadow, which is made by Yacht Club Games because they finally made something that wasn't Shovel Knight. I know that one. I didn't care for it. I, um, it didn't look like something I'd care for, which is why I never got invested. Because I like the idea of it because like, recently I finally played Shinobi on Sega Genesis. I'm like, oh, I like that kind of shit. I like Sh- Shinobi's fun. It's hard. I've never finished it, but I like Shinobi 3. That's a really good game. So I'm like, okay, I'll try this one, and it, you know, again, free on Game Pass and Yacht Club, and as much as I'm not a big fan of indies or, like, you know, that specific style of indie where they emulate NES games, I'm like, as much as I don't care for it, Shovel Knight is still a very solid experience. If you're into that, like, it's, like, you can, you can do much worse than, than Shovel Knight. So, like, you know, I'll give it a shot. It's too much NES-style game where it's, like shit's always hitting you or like the ch- the safe or checkpoints are too few and far between at least it has them but it's like okay well i feel like i'm not making any progress so after like dying a bunch of times and like it just didn't it just wasn't clicking i gave up on it i'm just i'm like i guess with an nes game where you can take like three hits and then you die and i couldn't figure yeah, out how to I mean, it's, it's literally use anything everything i saw of it and of people playing it it is pound for pound a reproduction of uh, of why is Dai Katana stuck in my brain? That's not the name of the game. It's the other one with the ninja. Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking Dai Katana. No. Um, I guess all it was. I kept thinking it was like I honestly went into it thinking it was the sequel to The Messenger. Because I'm like, oh, The Messenger came out and this has a very similar look to it. It's not. It's not The Messenger. Yeah, like The Messenger's whole thing was like flipping between styles. I think. Like sixteen bit mm-hmm. and eight bit, this is very much just like this is literally going to be that. I just saw it wasn't until I booted the game up and saw Yacht Clubs. I'm like, oh, this is not the game I thought it was. I'm like, well, it's already we already have it on. Yeah, I I assumed it was something different. At least the music is good. Yacht Club generally yeah. is good on that front. Like if if you like the like NES throwback style, like if you liked Shovel Knight, you'll probably like this one. I'm just so. I like the idea of them, but I'm just so sick. I'm just glad that I feel like within this decade we're going to start to see a trickle towards indie really favoring nostalgia for our generation. With you know, kind of early 3D being mm. the nostalgia it goes for. Because boy, I I could go for some more 3D platformer shit. Yeah, I could definitely go for that too, or just like just the th- like anything that's in the style of like PS One or N sixty four. Like, and games have been trying like puppet combo. Like, people like to go to as being like the PS One lo fi horror, which nothing about the games that he makes are PS One like. PS One games were more than just they looked bad and had bad controls and had bad voice acting because like at the time they didn't look that bad, most of them, and they used pre rendered backgrounds for a lot of them. 
And it's not just slapping a filter over a bunch of assets that you threw somewhere and like having people cough into a microphone is like, like a shitty microphone to record it. Like it misses the mark so much that I think it's just its own thing and people need to stop attributing it to PS1. Because the only PS1 nostalgia bait game I have seen actually succeed at what it was trying to do is Elisa. Like, it actually has pre-rendered backgrounds. I think you can use tank controls if you want to, but it goes for that Resident Evil Silent Hill feel and actually sticks the landing because it knew what it was going for. I think the game runs at, like, maximum, like, 240p or something like that on PC. Like, it it went all in on what it was supposed to be. This is really recent. I hadn't heard of Elisa. It like it was announced, I think, a couple of years back, and they had like a playable teaser or a playable tem- demo out for it. I haven't played it myself yet, but like when I saw people like playing, it, I'm like, this is the first time I've seen something where I'm like, oh, this actually looks like a PS One game as close as possible. I mean, it yeah. does look a little bit too modern, but it's like this is actually nailing that nostalgia for it. Like kind of like you look at um Shovel Knight, and people are like, oh, it's just like an NES game. NES didn't support parallax scrolling backgrounds though. So like yeah, it does look like one, but you can see where the modern stuff. Yeah, and that's totally is, fine. Like, slotted like, in. It needs. Yeah, and that's fine too. Yeah, yeah. you want to you want to have the the creature comforts of a modern game with the mm-hmm. things that'll trigger that nostalgia for you still present. Like I'm looking at this screenshot now of a section of Elisa, and I swear that the the old man that's sitting there with the, with his cane, his face looks like they basically took the Hagrid model from, from Harry Potter and like, how can we mimic <laughs> this as best as possible? <laughs> yeah, so like, that dev actually, I know it's a rough, people are saying it's kind of rough and stuff like that too, um, but I mean, it's it's going to be, if you're going for that style, like, you take the, there's a, like still a lot of bad that comes with the good, because it just is the nature of the beast. Um, like, but if you're like modernizing something, like I think Octopath, like when it went for being like, oh, it's all the things you loved about PS, like you know, N64, Super Nintendo, and PS1 RPGs, but modern, it's like, yeah, but you guys had the option of taking out the bad stuff, but you didn't because oh, it wasn't no. meant to look like it ran on a Super Nintendo. Oh no, I'm so sorry, Kel. For like the first minute after you said Octopath, my brain was just thinking of Octo Dad, and I was trying really hard oh, to God. like. <laughs> it's like it has the all Octodad of the Dad Traveler, all the creature comforts of PlayStation One gaming. Octodad, yeah, but yeah, like it. I've really been, at least, I've been enjoying having Game Pass because it's. This is not an ad, but I will be, I will be putting my uh, hashtag in with this one, so I can actually get my I covered it thing on keymailer for this for once because i have been using game pass a lot and i've been enjoying it this is where you'll be like like, hello this is curio hunter and i will be uh i'm now a a top 50 game streamer whatever came out Mm -hmm. to yesterday i'm playing it now (laughs) i mean i would love to do that i would love to honestly just never play video games ever again like why video games are a mistake why are we playing them let me just like launch my platform from being about games to talk about like we should just stop. There are enough games in the world. We don't need more. They should just stop making whatever they're making. We're done. No more games. Yeah. Take the ones you have, throw them away. Actually give them to me. Give me your games and I will make sure that no one plays them ever again cuz they'll be in my collection forever. If I could, I would just like write an essay every week and then my stream's just going to be like me talking about Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a game like i i actually had this um this premise idea from a conversation i had with someone in chat 
where I was like, you know, I could make a video on the premise of how Hitman is a perfect vacation simulator because of how accurately it like portrays the places you go to, ignoring the fact that you brutally murder people when you go to them. But yeah. I don't want to spend a month working on that. So maybe I should just like write it and then read that and then I'll call it good. <laughs> yeah, honestly just do do it as like a like a video like a spoken essay. Like you can do it as like a special thing for Potosaurus. Like okay, well now I'm going to tell you my entire thoughts on the Hitman uh reboot trilogy. Um <laughs> but I need you to picture all the beautiful scenes that I'm thinking of and saw. Yeah, I'll I'll actually have it in script format so it's like show footage of <laughs> and just insert my uh just just be like you know imagine that agent 47 is currently looking over a snowy mountaintop in the section of hokkaido where we were fighting the just like full audio the, the room was decorated in traditional japanese uh style as one does i mean i really could do that it could be just like a book where like instead of showing you footage i'll just literally describe it to you as best as i can just just do like that, but like, like kind of like welcome to to um, Night Vale, or whatever it is. Like, yeah, I can't remember. Like, I blanked on the name of the thing as soon as I said it. It'd be like that, where you're just explaining the story, <laughs> but it's a news program. Yeah, so that people will be informed and can make informed decisions about the meaning of Agent Forty Seven's actions as he proceeds through the Hitman trilogy. It's funny that I, I I rode that high of of Hitman being like weirdly popular this month to see the impact of Hitman Year Two hit and just like it's insane how quickly things change. Like Hitman Year Two comes out, there's some bad press coming out saying that it's a bad update. Suddenly, it's like the entire Hitman audience just evacuated. It's gone. <laughs> like the minute they heard any bad press. Yep. I do be like that sometimes. Uh, but yeah, so you did uh, Skatebird, Metal Slug Goose, and Cyber Shadow. Yeah. That's not all I played on Game Pass, but I figure, is there anything you ta- you played other than <laughs> Hitman? Other than Hitman, um, which is inhabiting my stream space, I did play one game a lot. What was that? Uh, which is Detroit Become Human. Um, I've been obsessed. How are you liking that? What was that? How how are you enjoying that? I have, I, so I have really been liking it. There have been a couple of moments now where despite, um, it's David Cage, right? He, yeah. he has this thing on the menu where it's like, you can use this chapter menu to go to wherever you want and redo sections to your heart's content, but... The, my creator did tell me that you should probably not do this. <laughs> it's like, well, fuck you, David Cage, because you made some decisions in this game that didn't actually do what I thought they would. You know, the way that it is with any decision tree. But, like, mm-hmm. um, probably the most egregious one that happened to me was there's a section in the radio tower where you you went through and, and like, are doing this investigation of a crime that you literally had committed as another character in the previous chapter so you already kind of know where everything's at and you're going into it trying to like pretend that you're not omniscient and as i'm 
conducting the investigation that it presents me these options about like going and interviewing some android subjects or going to the rooftop and and like investigating what's up there i decided to interview the candidates because it made the most sense to me and because it was something new that i didn't actually deal with in the last chapter so i would rather mm-hmm. see new content go through the interactions get stabbed is- manage to escape from my bad situation quickly and it presents me with an option now where this android has a gun he's at the end of the hallway and Hank is sitting on the side of the wall, at, and it's saying 40% chance of survival. And I have the option to tackle the uh, the android in front of me. And on the right-hand side, I have the option to draw a gun from the holster of the police officer next to me. The correct answer here is to draw the gun from the holster. Uh, if you try to save Hank, you just die. Uh, and it's mm. counted as, you know, that's that's the path you took. You chose to die by trying to save Hank. It doesn't explicitly tell me that that's what's going to happen. But to me, when a game presents me an option, save somebody, and there's like a percent chance that they survive if I don't do something, and choosing that option implies I am going to save Hank. Yeah. So why is it then that another option can also save Hank, but is not the option that this android chose to do to save Hank. Like, there's just this, like, mental break of, like, if there was a good option to save everyone, and I'm playing as an android, why didn't the android make the logical connections himself that would lead to Mm -hmm. Hank actually being saved in the most optimal way instead of throw self in front of Hank, saved Hank, good job. Like, it's just one of those cases where it's like, I understand what they were trying to do, I think the information could have been presented in a way that was a little bit more clear. Um, so that's that, yeah, that's the David Cage game for you, where it's just yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I guess I died. Um, that was a f- that one was a fun scene. Some really like release stuff around it because I think David Cage was trying to say that it wasn't a, a, polit- a social commentary or anything, but it's like, but this game's obviously trying to tackle themes of racism. Yeah, I mean, you can't. Like, you could have also just tackled themes of racism without using robots. I mean, you could, but honestly, that's a lot of... A, a, the majority of sci-fi functions that way. Like, regardless of mm. what sci-fi you're consuming, it usually exists to be a social commentary on the present in a way that is more digestible and perhaps less less criticizable by opponents mm. of those ideas because they don't recognize them as the same thing. Um so they can experience racism and then go through that experience, make a choice. It's like, well, of course I want them to live peacefully alongside the human beings. And they're like, so why don't we then? And then they'll go, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, you, you, you made the right choice here. Why didn't you make the right choice in these political contexts as well? And then it goes, oh, shit. You know, that's, I guess that's the underlying motivation behind these kind of things. Um. I enjoy my time with Detroit Become Human. Um, the only problem that I have with it is because it is this this game with like a lot of branching paths, and I know that AAA development's always about more, more, more. Give us more stuff. Mm. I'm sitting at 11 hours in the game now, and I'm starting to feel like, even though I thought I was close to the end, I'm starting to think it may be closer to like half way yeah. through the game. Which, for a game that has multiple branching paths and all these different choices you can make, as cool it is as it is that I can have a super, super unique experience by the end because I've made so many decisions that were different over time, 
I prefer a more condensed experience so that I can feasibly go back and play this again and see the other options. Mm -hmm. A game that's 20 to 30 hours long that then expects me to do five playthroughs to see the other variations is not, uh, I don't have the time for that. So Yeah, screw that. I've been running that problem too where like some games are just dragging. I feel like a lot of the ones I've been playing, I'm like, this just keeps going. It just keeps going. Like I've been playing, I, I just finished today, I was playing Halo and like some sections of the game just keep going yeah and, and it's not there's nothing inherently wrong with it like the experience is still consistently good it's just man but i have other games to play and maybe this is just the the modern mentality with games that i have a backlog in all these games that i can mm-hmm. play at any time both that i've purchased and that i have yet to purchase but would like to buy and mm-hmm. play that puts an added pressure to come on come on <laughs> you know Whereas, like, a kid who has no disposable income will pick up Detroit Become Human and it's the game they play for the next five years because it's all they got. Mm. God, that would suck if I was... This hypothetical son, child. Son, we will buy you one David Cage game per year and that will last you the whole year. And then, like, by the end of, like, the second year, he's like, parents, do you know about emotions? <laughs> oh, just Do you like to feel emotions? Yes. Uh, I believe I can feel fear, but I am not programmed to feel anger, Mom. <laughs> I cannot feel anger like, right now. This thing with games dragging, too, or, like, going too long, it's it's not even just, like, a modern thing. Like, I just finished Ape Escape on Monday. The final level... So, I, I played through most of the game last week, and then, like, I had the final level. There's one level, 24 monkeys hidden in it, and, like, if you want the true ending for the game, you have to go catch all the monkeys in the game... Which requires you to beat the game first, then go back, get them, then beat the game again. The final area took me... It was one level. Keep in mind, this is all one level. 24 monkeys. It's like, go find Spectre, which is the bad guy. It took me two hours to do that. This included... This is a game with lives, 3D platforming, no camera control, and PS1 visuals. So, like... Trying to gauge where you are sometimes and where you're going to land is hard. Mm-hmm. And at one point in the game, they introduce platforms that when you jump on them, they, they're they like trampolines. And they shoot you up in the air. And the game's not really built for like on-the-fly changing, uh, like understanding where you are. Like if you start dropping, it's already too late. Like your propeller thing's not going to really help you too much. It took me like two hours, no joke, maybe two and a half just to beat that level. I think it took me the whole like majority of stream. And then I started my next... No, it took me all but the last charge. So it took me about two and a half hours yet to beat that game. It was so fucking long for that level. And then they want you to go back and get all the other monkeys and come back and do it again. Why? Why are games like this? Why do they drag so much? Just like... Like, between, like, newer games where, like, there's sections where I'm like, if you cut out, like, Halo, if they would have cut out some of the rooms and some of the encounter story areas, like, they cut out one from each of them, Nothing of value would be lost, and the game would have, like, been sped up so much just because it just felt like it was dragging. And a lot of these older ones, too, where they just make this really long level with lives, easy ways to die, and want you to beat be- it all in one go. Like, what the fuck is this? I-, I even told myself I would have died during that last level. I would have just thrown the disc. I was just getting so mad. It's like, I'm- I can't deal with this anymore. I can't. Respect my time. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting, too, because there are, like, you can have a game feel tight and compact but where Mm. that line stands in terms of how many hours you invest to it can vary tremendously like 
I don't think when I played Shantae and the Pirate's Curse or Shantae and Half Genie Hero, those tend to be like 10 hour games. And during mm. them, I don't ever feel like the game ever drags because it's basically like level to level, like you go to the level, you get the thing. Now you can go do this like tiny micro part in the main hub world and then you can go to the next level. And that's your mm. experience playing a Shantae game. You get all the way to the end. You had like some some interesting interactions with characters and you fight the final boss at the end. And it all feels like it was designed to flow that way. Each area had like a meaningful encounter and purpose to it. And then it ended. There wasn't like really a, a fluffy middle area. Um, mm-hmm. Majora's Mask felt the same way where I feel like the majority of that game isn't fluff. Now, I have had people say that they don't like the time mechanic because it means there's a lot of waiting around. So I guess that technically counts as fluff, um, though it's kind of an opportunity to um to like soak in the world um at least it is for me so for me i don't consider that a game that particularly drags either meanwhile boy howdy does skyrim (laughs) which is you know can be anywhere between 40 to 100 hours depending on what you make of it the main quest isn't really worth your time and there are plenty of segments Mm -hmm. of that quest line that are copy paste dungeons that do not seem to serve any functional purpose outside of just existing and i guess that's like i guess that's the differentiating factor right like how many times do you do something in the game that feels like it really had no you had no business there there was no like it's just fully arbitrary i'm trying to think of examples and like actually a good game because skyrim is not a good game um don't say that too loud. <laughs> we, we, you might actually upset Bari, and he's one of the, our few regular vi- our listeners. <laughs> I don't know, he might like it. Who knows? It's not Persona 5, so who knows anymore? Yeah. Yeah, the best games are, like, if they're lengthy, you don't know that they're taking that long. Like, I like games where, like, I am not aware of how much time that has passed. Oh, like, yeah. even if it's a long game, like, they can hide it. Yeah, because so there's, like, a meaningful encounter or something important happens. If, like, I can't see the filler... Like, if I walk in, I'm like, this whole area could be cut. But, like, you know, if I go into an area and there's, like, someone talking to me the whole time and they're, like, funny or something, or it's, like, even if there's nothing in that room, but just something else is distracting you because it's like, oh, this actually, like, is, you know, it's it's doing a good job of keeping me engaged, and I don't notice that it took, like, an hour of time. Perfect. Right. I'll know on a replay, but, like, that time, like, if you can hide the length of a game from me like well because it's well written well balanced whatever that's that that's better <laughs> yeah like i feel like a good example is in like final fantasy 10 where there's a pretty mm. you know there's a pretty significant chunk of that game where i do lose track of time pretty much from the start of the mm. game until um i would say after luca and then once mm-hmm. you get past luca you start hitting these patches where it's like well time to have an area with lots of random encounters to artificially increase difficulty which by extension means that you're getting drip fed the story slower and slower so mm. you know you get if also in the also in that one too um during some of the encounters that's when the characters interact with each other and teach you how to play the game like i guess that's their tutorial too so on the way back it takes longer because like every battle they teach you how that character plays true yeah um, it's like it doesn't just feel like random encounter after random encounter. It's like, oh, that these are instanced for a reason. You learn more. Sucks on a replay, but... That's true. Um, and really, I didn't start to... Like, Meehan Highway was okay. It's around, I think, Mount Gagazet that it really set in for me because there's just, like, 
encounter, 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 encounter. Is the area still purposeful? Well, that's where it gets tricky because, yes, you have an encounter with Seymour at the top of Mount Gagazette that is so difficult that it is noteworthy in its challenge that you're just like, holy mm. shit, I remember that because, my fucking God, that fight. Oh, man. Like, that was an engaging battle. But I don't remember the, like probably an hour or two that it took to ascend Mount Gagazette to get there mm -hmm. uh, because it was just like a cut seamless void up to that point. Ten does a good job for the most part of hiding its linearity and just like like how long areas are or like because some areas really aren't that long because um you know the forest where like you first get introduced to the um Uchus or whatever the things that replace the Marlboros that's like only like a few screens but like since there like there's a lot going on in that area, you're talking to like some of the people from from the uh Yeah, the band members youth brigade or whatever. There's yeah, like there's a bunch of stuff going on in there that like it's not that up. long of a scene, but yeah. But like there's enough there that keeps you busy. Like also, me and High Road, everyone if you get there, you always think that's the longest part of the game. Doesn't it feel like it takes forever? It really does, and because then it's that's like five screens. <laughs> but it's because you're it after you've passed through it you're introduced to the chocobo and then you can go back through it and you're like oh wow this is designed to be walked on with chocobos that's why it felt mm -hmm. like a shitty place <laughs> you know well, it's literally like hey like, you know it it sucked to walk on the interstate too for <laughs> for any stretch of time like it's that and then like most of it your first time through is you're getting stopped by um Macon by Shalinda by Donna by like another um, summoner there, like you're stopped a lot along the way. I didn't even so, like, remember. It feels those like a long time. Like that, yeah, that should like, make it meaningful because you're like interacting with all these people. You're getting like drip fed more story, but I literally don't remember mm. a single fucking thing I did in Mian. Yep, but like when you think about having to go back there to look for something, you're like, oh Jesus Christ, I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even that long. It's like five screens. Yeah, something like that. Even with the chocobo stuff, it's like five screens because some of the screens are big. But yeah, it's what it is. Yeah, let's see what we're trying to figure out where we were. You were talking about Ape Escape, uh, which was kind I was. of roping into the idea of like yeah. games having fluffy filler that makes it drag. Well, I guess it can like loop me back into Game Pass stuff. I finished Halo, like I said. That was a video game. You've played <laughs> Halo before, yeah? Like the older ones? I did. So I played a tiny chunk of Halo 1 before getting frustrated because that's a, that's actually a hard game. And mm. um, I also played Halo 3, which was not so bad. I did actually get through that one. And just, I mean, my, my insight into those games is that, yep, they sure are a game. You shoot aliens and you're a guy with no face who has a robot girl in his brain. Mm-hmm. So, 1, 2, 3, ODST and Reach were all made by Bungie. Yep. And then 4, 5, and Infinite. And I don't know about any of the Halo War side games who made those, but at least 4, 5, and Infinite. And then I think Handling and Master Chief was done by 343. 3. So, like, half the franchise was made by one company, the other half's been made by another, and they're currently working on it and kind of, like, finding their footing still. The Bungie games, I feel like, had the most boring portrayal of the story and characters and cutscenes. And then the new ones, like, this new one's story, in, like, the way that they did it, the cutscenes, like, presenting the characters, stuff like that, I feel like it was a lot more engaging, stuff like that. But for some reason, the new studio can't nail how tight the gameplay was for, for, for Bungie. 
I know Bungie's specialty is first-person shooters, competitive shooters. Like, even as much as people don't like Destiny, you know what's one of the best playing first-person shooters out there? Destiny. Destiny's got some of the best gunplay in it. Dude, I don't know. Like, but, even... But it, like, Bungie's it was, RTS forays were, were a treasure, though. <laughs> were they? Uh, yeah. They, I never played anything... I've never played anything prior to... Uh, Combat Evolved. I feel like I, most people, that. I feel like, would say the same thing. Um, but they did have... Uh, God, I don't actually remember the name of the game right now. I think it was like... Exile. Some some pretty generic Path of Exile? Thing. Not Path of Exile, no. Um, okay, this is bugging me. Two seconds. RTS, yeah. Bungie. What the fuck was the name of this thing? It was called... Oh, I forgot they made Oni. That was a fun one too. But um, Oni is garbage. You, I will not have the slander of you saying Oni is fun. No, I played it for my birthday last year. The tutorial alone is one of the most mind-numbing experiences in the world. Do not even try to defend it. But it was anime video game at a time when I don't think no, it was really bad. I don't think I experienced too many of those. Um, I seem to remember there was this big like lab that you went to with like a brain in it and i think it had infinitely spawning enemies and it took me a really long time to realize that so that was fun that sounds about right (laughs) um but the game i was talking about was myth which was this rts game where you you controlled like dwarves and a bunch of like these other like mythical creatures Mm. and for the most part it was just like fantasy creatures versus the undead with some like kind of loosely strung together plot in between to keep you interested but bungie decided that all of the explosives in that game had physics so a dwarf could throw a mine up a hill and because the hill was like slanted in just the right way it could result in their mine like bouncing off a tree at the top of the hill coming back and just completely obliterating your entire squad (laughs) and you just see their guts and bones fly everywhere while you just sit there going i mean halo was like that too your your grenades could bounce back off things once they introduced sticky grenades too like god and now now the newer ones have um exploding boxes you can pick up and throw and like so they build on like what bungie did with like that weird shit and it's like oh my god sometimes you'll see a box you'll pick it up to throw it at someone in midair someone shoots it and it just blows up back at you or you'll blow up something near it and like they'll take off and start zooming around like a fire extinguisher that got shot. <laughs> and like, this isn't Bungie that made it, but like, it just falls in line with like kind of how they left Halo. Yeah. I don't know. But, I, I think that they had some interesting systems. They're from that era where I feel like a lot of first person shooter games were just like dicking around with the concept of um, like physics and interacting with 3d space. Mm-hmm. And so you got a lot of mileage out of just like, here's this loosely strung together plot so that we have an excuse to send you over here to to interact with this bizarrely out of place seesaw mechanic to do a puzzle in first person or, you know, some something similar mm. where it's just like, why are we, uh, why are we doing this? I don't know, because we want an excuse to use our physics. And that's cool. Like, I feel like the, that design philosophy is kind of gone now, where the, the novelty of physics or something that exists has gone away, and we're just mm-hmm. sort of like, now everything has to make sense to exist in a game. Yeah. 
And like, if you have weird physics stuff, it's like its own genre is wonky physics game. So right, you don't really. It doesn't really focus. It's usually like if you have a thing, it just works. Which I think it might be my problem with a lot of the stuff in Halo Infinite was I think like because it was trying to still keep to that. There's a lot of stuff where I'm like, this is really frustrating that. Like, like I was saying, like, the boxes got really frustrating sometimes to try and use them in combat, because if I didn't throw them, they would blow up behind me or something, and there's so much that you wouldn't see in another shooter, for better or worse. But mostly the structure of that game was what has stressed me the hell out, where I almost quit the game several times. Um, I don't know if they were in there, but do you remember in Halo 3, the enemy called the Hunters? They are like these big, bulking guys, they had, like, spikes sticking out of their back... They were armored. They had a shield with them and a gun, and there was always they were sent like um they're like the, they're the biggest covenant person that they uh, sent out okay. basically. I so for those in the older games, they were those enemies are built for co op basically because one person would take the aggro, the other person would go around the back because its weak point its back. You would knock off its its shield and then st- like assassinate in the back. Uh, Halo Infinite doesn't ha- didn't have co op campaign at launch. It still doesn't. It's coming sometime later this year. Guess what enemies make a lot of uh, holy hell, like hellish encounters in that game? <laughs> the fucking hunters, which don't behave the same way. Because before, like they're they're meant to be one person takes the aggro, the other person takes them out, or they'd be slow enough that you can spin around them. Like you you could hide and like sneak up on them. These constantly aggro you, and they have two variants. One of them that's fucking hard. The other one's really fucking hard. And they send them at two at a time. And, like, in the end stretch of the game, there was, like, two rooms where they had two of these in there. And it was hell trying to get checkpoints in these rooms. Like, because they'd, like, send, like, you know, 30 enemies at you, and you have to clear them all before you can move on to the next one. Like, it had, like, the clearing quota. Kill everything before moving on. I'm like, but I don't want to. Because this is too hard for a single person to do. The game feels balanced, like how Halo games were, where, like, if you had co-op, there was a lot of areas where, like, hey, this is for another player to take care of this. The whole game feels like that. If you're not exploring outside and, like, on the ring, the whole game just feels like it was built for co-op but single player. Like, the encounters are just so unfair at times, where, like, you'll have three people with sniper rifles trained on your head, and you're supposed to clear an area so you can take over like the um, the forward operating base or something like that. So many times you have to do that. You're you're blowing my mind with the concept that I was supposed to be playing Halo 3 with a friend. <laughs> Cuz that may yes. explain why it was so fucking hard. <laughs> yes. Halo is like the difficulty bumps up like normal there's like easy normal, heroic, legendary, whatever. Like when you have a co-op partner they get a little bit harder, but like not so much that like uh that like it wouldn't be doable on that difficulty, but like yeah, this like they're they're always been meant for co-op play, and I think starting with Halo Five Guardians, they took out co-op play, or at least not like local. And this one doesn't have local on like co-op play at all. I think Five might have had online. I don't remember. I never played it. I bought it, never played it. It's the only one I haven't. And it just, I feel like that's the thing three four three hasn't understood yet. Is like Halo was always built to play with a buddy. Like that's always been like a game people play the campaign with a friend. And, like, or, you know, with a random person online. Like, it was always built for that. Yep. So they've been, like, copying kind of what Bungie used to do, putting their own twist on it, but not understanding the whole thing of the balancing was meant for a buddy to help you. And, yeah, everything can be played solo. Like, people solo legendary with all the skulls on all the time. 
people did that recently. Apparently there's like a really good Halo player that took, played Infinite. Solo, Legendary, all skulls on, no hits. And like, of course, it was probably like, you know, probably took them a while, but they're really good at Halo, so that makes sense. But I'm, just, I'm starting to realize that I think... So in addition to I should probably play Halo again with a friend this time so that I actually mm. enjoy it the way it's supposed to be enjoyed. But I, I also think this was just at the cusp of this time where I had enough internet. Uh, I was I was like functional enough on the internet to go and look up guides and look up things about mm. games. So when I would look up Halo and I'd be like, well, let's see somebody beat it on Legendary. And then I like see them execute it. And then I go, oh, yeah, I can do that. I'm good at video games. And then, like, try to do the same thing and then get in- incredibly frustrated when mm. it's miles beyond They make it look so easy. To. They make it look so easy, right? Because it's, you know, somebody who's practiced it extensively, spent a lot of time doing it, and then posted this, like, really well-doctored, well-put-together, you know, ex- single attempt from, from all their effort. Mm. And to you, it just looks like, oh, yeah, that's just how you do it. And, and then... You hop in and you just, it was at a time where I hadn't yet, you know, been humbled by the experience of mm. the internet showing me that there are thousands of people out there who will be infinitely better than me at, at any game at any time forever. Um, you know, sh- short of being able to be a record holder of like a speedrun world record or something, you're, you're never going to have the satisfaction of knowing that you know, you're the best at a game. It it, it became a, an untenable goal for me, really, with, with the dawn mm. of the internet to be the best. Because before, my my spectrum of who's the best at something was, well, here's me, here's my four friends that play this game, and of the five of us, I am the best. Yeah, wasn't always, like, mind-blowing when you find out your friend who you thought was really good at games, or even if you, or, you know, you, whatever, you're just like, Oh, they actually aren't that good. We just all suck. Yeah. They just they just happen to suck a little bit less than we do cuz like I'm not that good at games. I know that. Like I'm not even that good at first person shooters. And that's why I was like the whole time when I was playing Infinite, I was just like, "Am I just bad at games? Is this why I'm having so much so much of a, of trouble?" Turns out I'm not. It was everyone else was complaining about the same things <laughs> I was. But like and I always have to wonder, I'm like, "Am I just that bad at games?" cuz like I thought I was decent at them. Like I know I'm a little like out of um out of, you know, uh practice with like modern games or using like a controller that's not you know a three-pronged adult like marital aid looking thing like (laughs) i i understand but it yeah i don't think twitch is particularly good for uh developing confidence in your game playing skills either no just because any game you choose uh, especially if you're you're actually getting a decent sized audience the first kind of people that you're, that are going to pop in are people who are obsessed with that game, who are either very good with it or think they know everything about it, that will then, you know, either explain everything to you like you're a child or point out and criticize every flaw with the method you are using, to the, the way that you're playing or how long you're taking on mm. sections or whatever. They're just That's just what happens um, because that's how gamers are. <laughs> they want to find excuses to say they're better. I don't know where that was going, but the point... Yeah, I was trying to remember, too. I'm, it's, it's, I mention this, like, every week. Like, my retention span's fucking shot nowadays. Okay. I don't know anymore. You've been relatively so good was, today, so... <laughs> yeah, I was saying, so it's not, it's not just you. I was also thinking, too, like, it doesn't help that I, like, well, I'm... While we're recording, since I don't need... If I keep clicking around on my screen, one, people can hear it, and two, I 
like my, I'm, I have this big fear that I'm going to click off my, our recording while I'm doing it. So I just leave, like, if one of my friends is streaming, I just leave their stuff unmuted, and then I get distracted by their gameplay. <laughs> so, like, last week, you guys were talking, and I got distracted by the Dead Rising run on GDQ. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, thank God I have no input in this in this thing Timber is talking about, so I can just watch this run for the next 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> but, um, I right, kind of cycling back, though, um, with this, like, the, what I'm saying, like, I didn't know if I was good at, like, you know, I, you know, I have problems with games here and there. And, like, I even play on easy mode a lot. But I can play most games that I play. I play on normal. If I'm playing them offline, I'm playing on normal. Every once in a while, I'll bump it up to hard if it's a certain game I like. First-person shooters, I have a hard time with on a controller. I am so now trained to use the keyboard and mouse that it's so hard to play on a controller now. Which sucks, because I just got an Xbox, and they have a lot of shooters on there. Which, spoiler, you only can use a controller. So I've been trying to get back into that. I even got a nice controller that came bundled with mine. I got the Elite Controller version, too. Really nice controller. Don't know if it's worth $140, but it's a nice controller. I only have it because I had to buy that bu- the system bundled with it. Either way, I really like it. Anyway, I'm trying to get used to that, but I'm just like, I wish I picked easy mode. Like, the whole time in the game, I'm like, <laughs> I wish I had just picked easy mode. Tim- like, I like the story. I like the running around. Like, they added... Um, so, you know the old Halo games? They were like, you were just mission after mission after mission there is no no other thing to do Uh, this one takes this one takes more of an open-ish world i'm not saying it's open world because you have like there's like five areas in the game something like that and when you're in those areas might even be less i think like the like the there might be four that you can actually roam and then like once you get towards the end you're kind of railroaded into the story but every time you get to a big story bit you are indoors railroaded through like room after room after room type of thing like halo traditionally was but in between like you're on a ring like if remember the first halo you're on one of the rings and there's like plant life vegetation like you know settlement stuff like like you know like there's buildings there's evidence of life so you're going through there's a lot of like bases for the unsc which is the humans military basically um and it's been overrun by the banished which are just the covenant but colored red like their armor is red instead of blue and they're angrier because they're all just they're just angry boys so like you're going through like freeing bases finding some upgrades stuff like that it has your typical trappings of an open world game in it but like you only can do so much in that area and then like the story continues you can go backwards and fast travel after a while but i think i got locked into doing some story so i couldn't but when you finish the game you can go back to get whatever you missed but it's not like you don't open the map and it's just like looks like assess like you know Ubisoft vomit all over the the thing where there's like a collectible for everything. The only collectibles you find are mostly important. There are Spartan cores which upgrade your abilities because you've been given like five abilities. Only one of them I thought was useful. You get a grappling hook. You get a thing to see where um, hidden enemies are. But you know what's kind of pointless about that? All the weapons glow. If an enemy has a sword, a gun, anything that has um a a sight on it you can see it so like you really don't need it uh there's a booster which is just a worse version of the grapple hook because like you just like rocket three feet to the left or right so like what if you like covered more ground it'd be useful uh there's a shield which i use twice and what was the last one there is another one i don't remember what it was i don't remember what it was because it didn't matter 
the MacGuffin. But there was stuff like it was stuff like that. So I only ever used the grapple hook. The grapple hook made the movement really fun. Did you ever play Titanfall? I, I, I didn't. But I did play Bionic Commando, which probably has something quite similar. Did you, did you ever play um, Apex Legends or anything like that? No. <laughs> okay. Well, well, anyway, the game has really good movement. Like you have your typical Halo movement like you can running is a standard ability now unlike in some of the previous games i think starting with four it became a standard ability um, but you have a grappling hook which you can shoot at a wall and then it, you like it brings you forward you can upgrade it so eventually you can like electrocute enemies or you can hold the punch button so it will do like an aoe like can punch you, can slam you, down like, it kills a lot of the grunts can you like run on walls too or is that is that where you can't run on walls but i was like I was getting to like the um, grappling hook and just like faster movement and getting around, zipping around places. Like the game's built for that. Like you'll have things protruding from the ground or whatever, like rocks, stuff like that, or depending if you're inside a building, like walls. But you can use this grappling hook. And after a while, I learned you can shoot at the wall and then you can direct yourself and like kind of slingshot yourself across the room a little bit. Never like ridiculous because something will always block you but like say something's chasing you you can like shoot your your grappling hook and then like kind of spin around a little bit and get like get them out of them like if they're going in a straight line towards you but you can kind of get around and then sometimes melee them on the back or whatever it doesn't work for hunters because the hunters are constantly aggroed on you but they made it fun to run around and just kind of like 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 single arm spider-man zipline everywhere and I did that a lot, which would suck, though, once you got inside, because there are so many things to stop you from moving in the inside. Like, oh, you'll be against a wall, and, like, you'll try and scoot to the side, but there's always, like, like someone left a book on the ground, and, of course, you can't get around that book, so you have to walk around the book. You can't yeah. step over the book. You have to walk around. I feel like, especially with open-world games, this is always a problem. Um, when I played, yep. back in the day, Prototype, I don't know if you ever played that one. Um, I remember it. I yeah. didn't play it, but I know it. I yeah. played Infinite. Functionally, you just like fuck around in this big facility of New York City where you just like kill zombies and people indiscriminately by like changing your form and pounding the ground in like an atomic bomb and, and slicing stuff up and, and just causing havoc, swinging from building to building. And then there would be these sections where it's like, now we need to invade the military compound. So you go in the building and it's like, a square room with a bunch of boxes everywhere and all of a sudden it's really hard to kill six people like outside mm -hmm. could kill 80 people right i could jump off a building i can approach them from this side i can run them down the street throwing a car at them in this little warehouse there's a bunch of boxes that like awkwardly block my movement and then these guys are positioned in rafters or something, so getting to them is a, the biggest pain in the ass. And I feel like that pretty much happens with any open world game, where it's like, look at this big, That's, fun open world. Yeah, and you're not you, wrong. Then you go in this tiny space, and it's like, this is the most shittily designed thing. Like, the minute you're not like, in the Like, all the fun I had with the game was running around. Running around, finding stuff. Like, because, like, there weren't that many collectibles. The big collectibles you find are your Spartan cores. Like I said, I didn't even finish saying that. That, you'll find um, Mjolnir lockers which give you cosmetics for multiplayer which like you don't even have to go look for it if you don't care like if you just they give you a cosmetic for multiplayer so you have more stuff to do or like you know to customize yourself and then the like there's some radio things here and there but like a lot of them didn't seem to show up on there but like it wasn't too many and it's not too much and the world's not that big it's just more of open areas but like it all like even that like any game that's open world that gives you cool movement or cool stuff you can do outside as soon as you walk inside it all falls apart yeah all of it does i think even i remember watching people play spider-man it's like 
if you're not in a gigantic warehouse looking thing where you like there are boxes you can fling at people it just looks like hell and usually the way they remedy that is by making it where like once you're in a building it's like qtes or like just like cutscene or something or there's no combat going on but the ones that choose to like continue the gameplay indoors they're almost always really bad experiences oh yeah uh it's always a the sh- only opposite of that is like fallout fallout's the other one because once you get in there there's more stuff to do inside than outside but combat's always a nightmare in that game so it doesn't matter yeah like i think it does also definitely depend on the gameplay style like someone might say that a hitman level is kind of open world because it's this big giant representation of like a culturally significant area like mumbai and so mm-hmm. it accurately represents that outdoor and then you get in the indoor section which is deliberately designed because you have to be able to navigate this area to sneak through it and and do your stuff and be able to still execute mm-hmm. all the basic game mechanics but if you're just like a third person like beat em up like what is functionally going to be different about beating people up inside versus outside well mm-hmm. it's smaller and how do we make it more challenging when you can kill 60 people in one fell swoop oh well let's make it six people but we're going to put them in places that are impossible to reach is that fun i don't know but that's the only way you can artificially inflate the difficulty in a tight confined space in a game where it's Mm -hmm. all about having a lot of space i miss it's making me realize more and more that like open world really hasn't helped much it like it highlights more gameplay problems once they do other stuff or like or like the things that they push into making the open world fun just ruin aspects that are needed for the rest of the game but i'm also just so fatigued in open world after playing two of them back to back i'm just like hmm i wish they'd stop this wish they'd stop it won't Please stop it won't go away i'm hoping that we eventually reach the maturity stage where open world is no longer a feature because it is just the standard we're already almost there I, every game i think it's out. like already kind of there like so at the point where people get mad when it's not open i'm like but the game's so much better without it being open like it doesn't need to be. I feel like it should only be in games that need it as opposed to everyone trying to shoehorn it in. Like, Halos didn't feel too shoehorned in the way they made it with the story. Because, like, in the first Halo game, you kind of run around in the ring looking for... Because you don't know where you're going for a lot of that game. Because <laughs> I think they just kind of drop you into... That one, I think, there's missions, but, like, you have to go find it. You can, like, run around in the first area of Halo and not know what to do for, like, an hour. And it kind of has that similar feel, but this one has waypoints because it's not 2000 anymore. (laughs) But there's so many games like I play them and it's like the big of open world they did. Like, I just don't see how it's helping. Or like I played Dead Rising 4 again because I got my booster and my flu shot together and I felt sick and I wanted to play a game that required no mental capacity. Um, They did... uh, They made like the world too big where you have to use vehicles to get anywhere basically like you can run from one side of the map to the other you can make a circuit but the problem is uh it's too big and not fun three had that same problem as well but like with these games where they put in this has the opposite issue where like indoors it's not that bad but when you're outdoors if you're trying to use the vehicles to make it around you know what's in the way too many other fucking cars and blown up buildings and stuff and dead rising so like the cars get smacked, like, you just crash into shit all the time trying to navigate the outdoors. Like, the the first two games had it right, where, like, you just were inside, 
Movement was easy to get around. The only obstacle was the zombies if they were in a big horde. And now it's like, oh, sorry, um, there's a lot of barricades up because, of course, you know, the police put up barricades when the zombies started. It's like, okay, then why are there cars? Why did you make it where I need to traverse with the car if the car can't get through here? Right. Yeah, it's, um... Shoot, I had something in my brain and it just left. It'd be like that. I was going to make a comment about, like, like it feels like a lot of games are like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if instead of your favorite franchise taking place inside of um, Arbitrary Warehouse 14, instead it's taking place in Colorado in a shitty warehouse. <laughs> mm. It's like, okay. I mean... Don't know how we need this, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Like now we now we just have this extraneous section out here that can make me feel like this is relatable. I don't know. Mm. Like it just kind of it feels facetious the way it's done with these days with a lot of different um, developers because they're just trying again. They they found the the marketing buzzword and they're just trying to make it work for their IP. Either that or we're just fucking old. We're just old and hate everything. I, I feel like that's also. I, I worry about that sometimes. I'm like, am I just out of touch? I think so. Is that why I don't I, like I think, this? I think it's entirely possible. Like, we probably would have been drooling at the idea of this ten years ago when, you know, you get one game a year. So hell yeah, it's a big open world where I can do whatever I want. So when I've beaten the game, there's still a game to play. I think that would have been cool. Yeah, like maybe twenty. Like, uh, early 2000s, if, like, open world became a thing then, I could see it being big. But since we kind of lived through the, like, honestly, the entirety of the modern gaming, of modern gaming history, which started, like, NES era, Super Nintendo, through now, we've seen it, like, go in its birth. So we've seen, like, what it was like before and currently. So we're like, if you grew up during now, you would think all games are like this, and I could get that. So this this is what makes me think we're getting old, and it's just, we don't like it. But we've seen that it's like... This game used to not have this. They added it in, and it really hasn't helped it at all. It's only hurt it. Yeah, like... But it's the standard now. Like, Linny... And I think... I mean, we can blame fucking game journalism, too, which, for the longest time, it was basically an insult to be like, the game is too linear. I'm trying to play this game, and it's just so frustrating that I can't go into that building on the left side that is just a texture Mm. on the wall what the fuck is that i want to go in that shop i want to pick up the paint cans in that shop and buy one it's like Like i distinctly remember myself not liking linear games at one point i'm like i don't want to play this really linear but then i realized after a while i'm like what does that even fucking mean do i even know what i meant when i was saying that like and realizing a lot of the games i liked were very linear yeah, because then I'd be like, I don't like linear games. I'm gonna go play Halo, or I'm gonna go play Gears of War. I'm like, what the fuck? That's on a straight line. Yeah, it's the same. You don't have it's, any, it's on thing. a straight line. It's the same thing. Like people what complain about that doing, with Final dumbass? Fantasy 13, the hardest, I think. Um, 13. Which... The big problem with 13 was like everyone's like, well, 10's linear, like we were talking about. But 13 made no attempts to hide it, no attempts to give you anything along the way that made it memorable, and like there's just a distinct lack of control the whole time. In 10, even though it is linear. You have control of your party in and out of battle. Like, you can control all of your party members in a single battle if you want to. There's very rarely where you're split up or a situation where you can't. 13's like, you are never in charge of your party member. You are never in charge of what what um, abilities or, you know, stuff they have. Like, it, the leveling up was a straight line that you just held A or X or whatever until you got it. Uh, you didn't unlock new skills 
like subclasses for them until way late in the game. You couldn't pick your team until way late in the game. And when you finally got to the part that wasn't on a straight line, you're like, oh, everything here is kicking my ass. So like that game just it did the linearity bad. It 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 could have done it so much better. Even just letting you pick if you have two characters, why can't I pick the other one? Stop forcing me to play as like if I have Saz and Vanille why do I always have to play as one or the other? What can't I just play as either one I want? No, no, you have to play as the one they chose for you that time. Right, it's just too much of the decision making has been taken away from mm. the player. I'm yeah, like re- there's no agency in the game at all, or story. Yeah, I'm starting to realize that maybe '90s 3D platformers were the perfect genre because it's like the, the collectathons. Because because it's the one instance that I can think of where. You, ha- you didn't really have either problem. It wasn't a linear experience or an open world experience. You don't have mm-hmm. like vast stretches of nothing, to, of literally nothing. Um, mm-hmm. Nor do you have this feeling that you're just going down a corridor because by design, a platformer has to give you multiple angles and multiple places to explore so that it has you know these little nuggets that it can hide away for you to find. Um, so, you know, even something like Glover, which is objectively like not a good game, I'm still playing through it and finding it more fun than a lot of, um, open world experiences just because it does at least have a sense of cohesive direction with how its levels are designed. I go across the lava, you know, the, the platforms in the center of the lava river so that I can, jump on my ball to climb up a really tall pillar on the side here to push a button that'll let me advance further. At least that was something other than going straight, so it's not a linear experience, but also I'm not ending up in a position where I'm sitting there going, where do I go? What do I do? This is sealed off, and now there's like eight other directions I could go. I'll go down this direction. Oh, there's a fucking Korok in here. Okay, well, let's... Let's go back. Where's where's the actual progress? Uh, well, let's try this other path over here. Oh no, that's just that's just the the hidden banana meme that they put in the game. Okay, well, what about this other path? Like it can get obtru- it becomes obstructive almost um, in an open world where they're trying to jam so much in that maybe people will appreciate. But if I'm just trying to play the game to get from the beginning of it to the end of it, some of it can just it's very obviously distractions from Mm -hmm. the underlying experience that presumably the game developers were trying to show you and that they were hopefully designing their game with the express intention of like telling their story. Um, I think that's probably the biggest piece for me is that open world, at least in its current iteration directly contradicts, being able to tell a good story through gameplay because so much of it is built around distracting you from that core. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get, I even get that with The Witcher 3. I love The Witcher 3, and I think that a lot of the writing in the game is fantastic, but one thing that isn't fantastic is trying to actually understand the main quest line <laughs> because mm-hmm. by the time I get to level 12 of the main storyline... I have done so much side questing and encountered so many other characters that I'm sitting here going, okay, Siri, Siri needs to do what now? And I need to go where for why? Like it just, I think one of the, I think one of the few games that's really done, like being able to balance the main story being really good and the side content being good is like Yakuza. 
like that series like because the main story it's like i feel like this like at least for like a dragon i can attest to i thought like the main story was strong because it made me want to do the side content to see if there's anything there to support it and like the sub stories in that series are where a lot of people get or like you know fall in love with it like like the weird you know like the did you ever do the one with uh the guy that was really into into pain and you hooked him up with a uh with the dominatrix no, I don't think I did encounter that okay. one. Okay, well, there's a sub-story where you find a guy who just wants to feel pain because he just doesn't <laughs> feel pain anymore, but he gets off on it. And then you find a woman who likes giving people pain, but people are giving her shit because she's too old to be in that profession anymore. She's probably, like, you know, 25. How dare her be so old? Of course. But, like, the sub-story, it's like, I think, it's like a couple different ones together to basically hook those two up. And, like, it has nothing to do with the main story, the main story is there, but like it fits when the themes of it, because the themes of Yakuza like a dragon were about like people trying to eradicate like kind of that side of like society, like all that like the gray zones, just people like doing stuff like that, like going to like those types of clubs or whatever. Right. So like it fits in and builds that world and kind of adds more to the narrative because then you see how the narrative is affecting people in it. And I feel like that's one of the few that actually has strong side and strong main content in it but like you're saying like even witcher all most of the games i think i've come out with like the side stuff oh like outshines it yeah like, completely exactly that's the thing with the witcher 3 like so it's like why even, like why even have a main story anymore if it's gonna be such a like it's gonna be so unimportant yeah they like, should what's, they, what's, they, why have it and maybe they shouldn't bother with it i mean really the appeal of The Witcher 3 is that, like, you are monster hunter, go into the world and hunt monsters and help the community deal with that. And by and large, the side quests tell that story very, very well. It's just mm. that there is also this other narrative about, like, an overarching thing with the wild hunt, the 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 moniker, the name that you have to contend with. That's like the doom and gloom that the, the books are based around. And that's rich lore to work off of. But it just kind of feels like a longer side quest because so much of the other things that you're doing while fitting the main like through line theme have nothing like directly correlating them to that main objective. Um, like it's not like the wild hunt was responsible for everything that's going on in the Witcher three world that they, mm-hmm. they're incidental to that world. I'm trying to think of like other open world. Like obviously breath of the wild was a thing. Um, breath of the wild. I don't feel like it only had like, Barely, the main story in that game I thought was really bad and like I I wouldn't even say a lot of the side content was good. There is only one memorable quest line in my opinion and then the rest of it was just like it was good for exploring but like substance as far as like narrative characters like I'm sure all the Zelda people are going to jump down my neck but like the only side story that was interesting was the Terrytown stuff. Uh yeah, I Outside I did of that like I did really enjoy Terrytown. But I kind of agree because I'm sitting here like, what what did I do in that game? Because, like, <laughs> even the champions, like, I have to remember that they did them. And, like, There's the... Supportive Shark Husband was great, but, like, it was just, like, two cutscenes, two or three cutscenes of, like, people in the past that are dead now. Yeah. Just so they can do, like, a giant Hadouken on, like, the final boss. Uh, Banana Ninja Stealth. That was also a good segment, which I can't remember if it was part of... Oh, that was a good one too. Yeah, I like the banana ninja stealth. That was part of the main quest, I think. Yeah, but like it was, it was a good one. Yeah, like there's some 
there's some good moments scattered in that game but i think again it's just like everything else where it's like this big open world has served to make me have this very foggy dreamlike memory of my experiences with that game where it's like some mm. cool stuff happened and then blah there's like five or six hours there that i just don't remember and then i think there was this other cool thing that happened at some point like there's just so much void in my memories of my experiences with those games by virtue of being an open world where probably a good chunk of that time was actually me just like falling off a cliff into a river onto a raft that then crashed into five Lizolfos in an island somewhere and then I got distracted Mm. by that for a really long time like because it's so like because distractions are the banana on the end of the stick um, a lot of it's just like you can't remember it because you didn't deliberately try to do these things. They just sort of happened. And that that's both the, like the good thing about open world games, as well as the bad thing is that like, they're extremely evolving experiences that are unique to each player, but also like, because nothing was deliberate, you're not going to remember any of it because you just sort of stumbled off on it and you were like, Oh, that's neat. Hmm. I think we've I think we've talked in the circle here a lot. I was trying to think. I'm like, huh? What else could I put in here? I'm like, I think we might have we might have finally talked everything possible yeah. about open world. The the problem yeah, with open I was thinking world about it. is it's so this happens pervasive. too. It makes it makes you re- it makes you repetitive in what you're talking about too. And then you think about it, you're like, yeah, <laughs> Ken, if you need to trim this, go for it. <laughs> I just he's fucking be like oh my god I just oh want god. the youth of today to understand that open worlds are poisoning their minds and they need to get over it <laughs> no open no kids today only like Fortnite and eating hot chip and lying yes and everything has to be 30 seconds long um, yes I mean that's a little long in my attention span is that's why I watch TikTok stuff all the time and like someone will be like let me explain to you how to do this I'm like if you aren't showing me how to cook really good food and you want to take up two minutes of my time this better be fucking good <laughs> and then they'll talk really really slow and they're like trying to act out a scene I'm like I'm off oh, I'm done man. you know that, that, I have, that I, really I, just mm. makes you think what if Captain K made a foray into TikTok <laughs> oh god I I just want to see it I would probably watch them all just on principle alone. Because I want him to be the most popular person in the world ever. What if it's just like, all right, so I know that this platform is about making 30-second things, so here's here's this 50-part series where I try to explain a thing but it's definitely not going to be in 30 it seconds will, it will <laughs> it will cut him off because the maximum you can do is three minutes it will cut him off at the three minute we'll be like well now we can finally and it'll just cut off like right before you can explain what his point was i'm legitimately cons- i am i am thinking about starting to make some content of that just venue and i'm, I'm legitimately concerned i'll have the same thing where i'll just be like talking and then i'll go back and look at my footage and be like damn it it was three minutes and five what, seconds no <laughs> one of my favorite things is to, like someone will explain something a lot because someone will like post something and they'll like tag another person but can you explain this and you have three minutes max and the person will go through it and someone's like you missed this this and this they're like i have three minutes max how much time i cannot fit a college lecture into three minutes i'm sorry i had to truncate what wasn't that necessary like actually his name wasn't john it was jack it's like it doesn't fucking matter 
His, like, his name was not, like, the guy's name was not important in this situation, but they were explaining it. They're like, this was made by a guy named Jack. It's not important. And, like, is John. Sorry. It was John that came up with Red Food Dye 37. Sorry. <laughs> Red Food Dye is the main character here, not John. Just, like, make basically a TikTok series. It's just, like, here's the first video, and then here's all of the follow-up videos that are addendums because you guys are assholes. I would make a five part series and not release part three. Ooh. It would bother me forever. I would just have it in my drafts forever, but I'd be like, no. Not you haven't earned it yet. Yeah. I'm looking at the list of things that we're gonna talk about. Why did I write down DK sixty four? Oh yeah. Um I watched <laughs> So I That's right, you watched a speedrun yeah, of it. Yeah, I watched a speedrun. <laughs> And got really, really interested in the fact that that game is so damn janky that there's literally a part of the run where they have, like, the intro cutscene from starting the game playing in the background in, like, the underlying system architecture while they just Mm -hmm. go and do other shit and, like, time the transitions of their screens in such a way that it makes it so that their actual file unlocks characters because those characters appeared in this intro cutscene. It's just like, holy sh- how? So the way that works, it's really weird. Um, so you have to set it up a certain way. You have to have a second controller, and there's... I, I forgot what it's called for the setup for it, but the setup for the game, you basically have to do a bunch of stuff. You have to erase the file. You have to go into it, check it a couple times, go into a multiplayer thing, quit out of it a couple times... And, like, you do all these things to start it up. I think it takes about two minutes. And they've recommended people, if they're, like, if you are practicing this run and you are going to do a bunch of the things over and over again and you're playing on the Wii U, they're, like, just do it and then, um, what do you call it, save state there and just have that be your save state. Well, yeah, so when you get into it, the cuts, the opening is playing in the background of the game, but you start as Donkey Kong and you have... Every ability. Everything's unlocked every ability. You still have to do the tutorial, I believe, because it's just required to leave. You do the tutorial, you you run back out, you talk to, to Cranky, I think he gives you all your stuff, and then you jump in the water and you swim through a wall and go out into the the, the DK Islands. And then I think you... for This is for any person, I believe. And then you, like, rocket your way moon jumping, which is a way of you jumping, hitting the like flinging like because you can like there's a move where like he puts his feet back his arms forward then he flings his feet yeah and like you go up an incline and you do it at the (laughs) right time it's called moon jumping you hit it and then you keep mashing the 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 jump button and he just floats in that that like pose up as far as you want and then people do that to go into hideout helm which is the final area and then you just skip through most of the level you skip through most of the level. You have to switch to every character, because I think that's why you need them. You need to have everyone locked, because everyone has their own part. Because um, some can only do some things, some can only get through some areas. Because I've done, I've tried learning at one point. And you skip through to get to the final boss to unlock him, and then I think you have to fight the final boss. And it's crazy. There's so much tech in the game, because like it's not even trying. You can pull off most of the tech in the game... On your own with your own copy of the game. Oh yeah, w- one of them, the one where you swim through walls. You go so you're kind of in the water. I think you can go further down, but usually people go like barely in the water. They go into first person, aim towards a wall, get out of first person, and swim through the boundary, and they leave. In Jungle Japes, there's a banana. I think that's meant for Diddy. You take any character you want. You go in the water. 
You get close to it, a little bit parallel, but a little bit at an angle. Look first person, get out of it, swim, and pick up that banana. Then you can jump out of there. It's, like, it's... every boss... Like, every boss, you're supposed to give them the banana, like the colored bananas you acquire. Yeah. You just go over to, like, one of the steps... And you just like move your control stick a little bit. You can go and you can tap that and also hit first person. So like you can time it because what you want to do is you want to fall between a barrier. So you you tap and then you f- finally drop down on the step and then you just out of bounds. You go walk into the bu- the boss and you, the, you can beat certain bosses with other characters. There's a couple of them. One of them's like the um, like the Jack in the Box. The Jack in the Box boss you're supposed to beat with Tiny. I always beat him with Donkey Kong. Uh, but you can use anyone, but Donkey Kong and Tiny are the only ones that have enough reach to get across the different areas. Uh, there's one where you're in, like, you're fighting, I think it was an octopus, or some kind of sea creature, and you're in, like, a boat. The game is is met, the game has coded in, because they knew how buggy it was, I'm assuming, that every character has a boat, a boat animation, and different stats for their boats for that boss, despite the fact Lanky is supposed to be the only one to get in there. It's so weird. And the game uses it like the um, RAM expansion, but not for graphics. Like you know how you had to have it for Majora's Mask. Yeah. To it's to save, make right? it look better, so you can actually save. No, no. It's because there's a memory leak issue in the game's code, <laughs> and they couldn't figure it out. So they just bu- they told Nintendo we need to have a RAM expansion bundle with everyone because it will co- cost too much money to fix it. So that's why every copy of DK64 comes with that. There are demo copies of DK64 out there. And they don't require the RAM expansion pack because the demo had a timer and you couldn't out, outlast the um, the memory leak issue because it was on a timer. The game's broken as shit. <laughs> a built-in timer that was set to when the memory leak crashes the fucking game. Oh my god. It's like, it's before it could. I think like, if you, um if in, even with the RAM expansion in there, the, the memory leak still happens. It just, most people aren't going to leave their system on, you know, that long. So, like, but if you save state it, like, when I was playing the Wii U, I was save stating and loading that. That was saving the memory, like, where, how long I had been having the game running. So, the memory leak, it would start slowing down after a while, and I have to, like, save, quit, and then go back in the game. I actually did play a lot of Donkey Kong 64 when I was a kid, and I I remember thinking, like, I'd be playing, I was like, I think my console's overheating, because it's running at, like, five frames a second right now. What's happening? I didn't realize it was Like, it usually runs like ass. That usually runs like ass, but that's the reason why it does that. Because if you just leave it on yeah. for too long, it just starts to run worse and worse. Yeah, it's between. I love the game, but it is an absolute travesty of a, of a game. <laughs> it's between the that, that and the like... oranges that would detonate and just trash the frame rate anytime they did. Like those explosions, yep. it could not handle. <laughs> if things are exploding on screen or off screen, it just the game's just like I don't know. I don't know. The N64 wasn't like incredibly powerful, but like. It's really just the games Rare made were pretty bad. I love them, but, like, Banjo-Kazooie is in maybe Perfect Dark are their most solid games on the system. Right. Banjo-Tooie runs really bad, but it doesn't have the same glitches as uh, DK64. Then DK64 is just, like... <laughs> like, that. that's like your, your friend Kyle that you went to school with that you're like, how did you graduate? I don't think I ever saw you in class once. And he's just like, I have banana. <laughs> like, okay. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen that copy poster or that story about a teacher explaining a student named Kevin that was really, like, defied the odds of being, his whole family just being that kind of, like, dim. That Like, there's, like, how have they existed and persisted this long? Like, like one of the stories with Kevin, like, the dad was sending um, 
like personal checks for tuition with him to school, Kevin went to a public school. She sent the canceled check back with Kevin back to her with to his dad to explain it's paid with by taxes. You don't have to pay tuition. And then Kevin tried to to cash it at Seven Eleven. Like that is Donkey Kong sixty four. That is that game. It is Kevin in that scenario. My God, it just. The funny thing is, it should be a bad thing that the game is jank as hell. But to me, it's extremely endearing because we have so many games these days that are refined to a mirror sheen that it's it's boringly predictable. Like, there's something fun mm-hmm. about playing a game and, ha- and like, touching a wall and having your character go through it and you're like, oh, that probably isn't supposed to happen. I'm a genius, <laughs> right? Like, there's just, like, this... this slight reward in your brain that's like i found this and the developer didn't want me to um whereas like modern games if if there's something like that 90 percent of the time it's like a hidden achievement secret and it was 100 mm. percent something like the, they wanted. there's there's sometimes you'll find like a glitch in a game where you're never supposed to find it but like i don't think anything will ever be as glitchy as like to the point of that bad as it was during early 3d yeah like there's a lot of like glitches in Halo had some, like, I would drop a gun that was a variant and it would turn into the default one, and I don't think that's supposed to happen. Fallout has notoriously a ton of glitches where you can just, like... I've had some where, like, I loaded wrong out of a door and I just, like, was walking through mountains. And, like, I really <laughs> don't I know what to here. do here. I shouldn't like, be here. But then the Bethesda's like, I guess it's intended because we don't know how to fix it. You're like, okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any other ones. Oh, Dead Rising 4 had so many glitches because like a lot of people say like you know as if you an open world game glitches come with the territory and i while i think that's true i don't feel like there should be that many of them anymore there really shouldn't it should be a lot less glitchy than this like it's like you guys have been doing this for at least 10 years how are you still running into these issues i guess that's one of the positives of open worlds is that it does retain that the the magic of glitchy potentially bad code because it's it's still like this this area of of gaming that's still in the process of being refined um because mm. yeah i remember yeah i th- guess it's like early 3d like you know yeah tilted cartridge which you weren't even trying to do is just like oh the system's like little ram slot was slightly wiggly so now you have a great creepypasta story to tell about how links phasing through the floor and all of your audio turned into static because <laughs> that happened to oh, me and it I- scared the shit out of me until about a couple weeks ago, I forgot how sensitive disc, early disc-based systems are. Because, like, I keep them all my, my PS1 on my desk. But, like, you know, if you were playing a game before, like, it would always be in your entertainment center. I hit my table, like, like I don't even know if you can hear that, but, yeah. like, I hit it a little bit. And the game skipped. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, it was, like, I was, like, problem with it loading. Because I think I got mad. I'm like, fuck. And, like, I just, like, hit the desk a little bit. I'm like, oh. Please don't have frozen. So I'm just like popping the disk drive open, closing it. I'm like, please work, please work, please work. We haven't saved in two hours. I'm telling you. I forgot this was a thing. I'm telling you that it was a legitimate IT strategy on my actual desktop back in the day when it was like loading slowly. I would just whack the side of the tower. I'm like, load quicker. And then like half the time it fucking did. (laughs) No, it did. That was true. It was a percussive adjustment, I think is what Tofu calls it. But like now, like I look at my PC, I'm like, 
I am going to make sure nothing ever makes you rumble at all because the parts in you are more expensive. Like one part of you is probably more expensive than any computer I've ever owned. <laughs> like I have, I have a thread ripper in there. I don't know how much that costs. I don't want to know. I didn't pay for it. But yeah, I hope that answers your Donkey Kong 64 things that we we're talking about. It I does. could talk all day about that game. But yeah, that that's a that's a if you want to see like a speed run absolutely demolish everything you thought about a game, just watch the DK sixty four run. The hundred and one percent one you can watch, but it's very tragic because if you fail that, that was so much time wasted. That's like a six hour run because like there's so much shit to do, and you have to learn the strats for so many mini games. Just the, so many, yeah, and just the the amount of tech involved because that game is so laden with with bugs mm. that you can that you can leverage. I mean, I thought Majora was was a difficult one because you had like bomb glides and shit, but DK definitely takes the cake. Majora's the, a lot of the Zelda ones you can kind of like figure out on your own. Like DK64 where you can like pick them up like but just to do that much, it's just it's a lot to like keep track of because if you fuck up one of them, you might have to start over. Like it's not one of those like oh, you know, I have to like go back over here. You might have to start it over completely. Oh, I got a gift sub. See, I think we also talked about Mega Man Legends for a bit. I, uh, yeah, I was playing Mega Man Legends. I just started it. Yes, I started it yesterday after Ape Escape. I like it. It controls like absolute garbage, uh, but I'm liking it. It's very the. It's one of those games that like this game's just cozy. Everything about it is cozy. I don't like Mega Man. I'm not a Mega Man fan at all. Same. I really like this game. I do too. Yeah. So I I played it on stream about a month ago. And before then, I had rented it for several weeks from Blockbuster when I was young. Just because there, there's just something really endearing about this, like, chunky N64 graphic thing that is also somehow fully voice acted and very mm-hmm. colorful. I've yet to see a game have the same aesthetic uh there was something that i know somebody was working on that was trying to mimic the Mega Man legends look but it's not really been done since this sort of like old ps1 it, but uh, also cell shaded thing is it delta gale i think so yeah okay because someone was telling me they're like there's someone's making like a because I, I forgot about it until now yeah i'm just looking at screenshots it has that same look but like since it's not Mega Man, it's not hitting the same and the areas are bigger but like it definitely is going for it. it's like cell shaded cartoony the faces are animated there's a lot of personality to it there's also a robot monkey that dances when you save yeah which is just like a really fun touch it's also fucking I love hard data. that game is difficult at least the parts that i played so if you play the beginning the all the stuff in the town i was going through that and i was like losing my mind i'm like i'm trying to defend this building from being blown up and stuff like that and then there's another boss fight on top of it there's also some and then like i Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, there's also some untold tricks with that. So, like, trying to protect the, uh, what is it, the mayor's office. Um, mm-hmm. The first time I did it, I spent, like, an hour and a half on it and lost at the last possible second because mm-hmm. I she gave, like, a small hint. She's like, you got to deal with the flyers. And I was like, huh? Yeah, by the time you hear that, it's too late. Yeah. By the time you hear that, you're just like, oh, the lock-on is terrible in the, um, I don't know if you can run and lock-on in the 64 version, but in the PS1 version, you have to stand still, and it locks on to whatever is nearby. 
It, it, like you could be locked on to something. Oh yeah, shooting at it, and then something could get closer, and it will immediately take your attention yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, it works the same like, way. It's so bad that I literally was playing the game without lock on. I just, yeah, I, I just fucking dead. You know, manual aimed everything. The only time the that that didn't work are, was if something was like on a ceiling or something, which because I had no choice. Mm. But the controls are really bad, but like the game itself is really good. Like I again, like I'm not a Mega Man fan in the slightest. But it doesn't play like other other Mega Mans. Yeah, it really Mega doesn't. Mans? It doesn't. It, it doesn't play like other yeah, ones. Yeah, it's so not. Like, it's not I think like that's a hardcore two D platformer. It's not. It's challenging, but not in that way. Like it's challenging because of what it mechanically asks you is like your objectives in a situation, or things may just not be that obvious. Like the driller um, battle that I thought was extremely difficult, mostly because the first few times I tried tackling it, I didn't realize that there was like a third position you could stand from to reach Mm -hmm. standing on top of the digger so i just kept trying to do it from two positions and after you lowered his health enough he literally would never stop the driller at the other two positions like you had to figure that out or you just weren't going to beat the fight or muscle through and somehow deal enough damage before it ever comes into into a factor but i wasn't good enough to do that also, uh, it's funny because you, you say the, the word digger. They use the word dig and digger so much in the game, but you only go into places and shoot things. Yeah. You never dig. He's... You just shoot things. It's like, I'm going on a dig. No, you're not. You're going to go shoot some people up. That is what you were doing. You're going to go shoot up some robots in a cave. It, it, it really was. Distinct difference. It really was weird hearing people like, I have my drill light. My, my husband has his drill license. So he went into the archaeological dig site to find some stuff. And then like you find him in the first room of the dig being like, oh, my God, there's like robots and shit in here. I didn't know. And I'm like, what, is, what do you mean? That's all we ever fucking do in these places is go down yep. and shoot shit. What, what did that you seems think like all anyone be? in like the town talks about, like, how do you not? know that there are reaver bots below because they're like we don't like to go down and dig because there's reaver bots and he's like oh my god there's a reaver bot yes yes <laughs> that's the one thing that's literally that's the whole that's thing. that's all the digs are man <laughs> that that that's the plot welcome <laughs> so it's a little weird like i don't think it has the most cohesive story in the world but the music's good the it doesn't need to good. um and again, like the story so far is we're trying to fix our ship and there's pirates. I'm like, this is enough for me. Yeah. And there's this no is enough. Like time. it's cute, it's cozy. And there's no waste of time. We were just talking about like fluff content. And it's like, well, I guess technically the dig sites could be fluff content, but you, with the exception of a handful, they don't force you to like go mm-hmm. into these and just grind them. Like usually, and like you can. Like, I've done that a little bit, but it's like I'll go through. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go in here because I'm like so close to getting like the next upgrade for something. I'm like, I'm just gonna go in here and do it like once or twice. And like you go and you shoot some things. It takes you five minutes, and then after a while, you realize all the dig sites are connected, and you're just finding the the tunnels that go from one to another. So like they're like, oh, so these are sh- are shortcuts now. So like you can do a lot more with them because at least one like I found like. I'm like, I found a sewer lid in the city, which led down into the dig site outside, which after going to another one, the story, it connected all back. And I'm like, oh, I can finally reach things I couldn't be able to before. So exploring the dig site stuff was actually fun because like you're finding things that you missed before that were just a little bit out of reach, but it doesn't feel like it's too much. Like it's still fairly small. Yeah. How far in did you get anyway? I am at, I just got my class A license and I just got the high jump boots. Oh, that's, I'm try- uh, like, that's around when I stopped. Awesome. 
There, the next thing I'm trying to figure out, I need to figure out what to do with the shard I found because I need to get a boat to go to an island to go to another dig site or something. I don't know. Did you enjoy I, Dog uh, Factory? Oh, yeah, I walked in the area. I'm like, oh, my God, there's dogs. And all the dogs started attacking me. I'm like, the fuck? What? Why? Why are all these dogs attacking me? Yeah, the dogs are just, like, fucking vicious. And I I was, I was, hate killing dogs in games, especially when they're, like, make the realistic, like, eh, like you know, the way the dogs die. Mm-hmm. So um, anytime I went in that area to cross it for any reason, I just abused the game's admittedly buggy physics engine to, like, basically walk on top of the factory uh, smokestacks mm. instead of having to actually deal with the dogs. I'm enjoying the fact that the quickest way to get through that game is to run diagonally. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. Never a straight I'm line. Like, oh, running, I'm like going forward and like, oh no. And like you can like use the um the left and right. Because like I, I change this to my D-pads, all the tank controls like it would be in like a mm-hmm. Resident Evil. And then the triggers are the dash left, dash right. And then I'm like, wait, if I just hold the dash button and hold up and right or whatever, I can just run diagonally and it's so fast they were hell-bent on making sure no one could call their game linear like you literally don't even mm-hmm. walk in a straight line you can't yep, nope, <laughs> so... you don't. it is faster to dodge roll but not in succession that's something you can do indoors but like if you're just trying to run away outside you need to run diagonals but i'm really i'm having fun playing it i really wish the adventures of misadventures of tron bond weren't like 800 dollars to buy and Mega Man Legends 2 is like 130. I'm trying to convince myself that both I need it or I can afford it. But I we'll see. I want to play the other one after this. Everyone says the first one's the best one. But I do want to play the sequel at some point. Yeah, I don't think I ever touched the sequel, but... It wasn't on 64. It was only on PS1, too. That so explains that it. That might be why. Yeah, Mega Man Legends was just in that weird bucket of, like, colorful games that I found really interesting to play, and everybody said was shit. I had the same thing with Quest 64, where I heard, like, never-ending spew of people saying it's the worst thing ever, and every time I play it, I'm just like, but it's so colorful, and the music is fun, and the monsters are kind of terrifying. This is fine. It does suck, though. It does suck, though, but (laughs) but but something about it's still endearing. I, I like Every once in a while I have someone pop in, they're like, my favorite 64 game was Quest 64. I'm like, I'm sorry, was your childhood that bad? Yeah, it was. I even didn't like that. I played. Like, I tried it once, I'm like, this game sucks. Like, I think the, the blockbuster trifecta for me was like Mega Man Legends, Quest 64, and uh, I, I guess it was actually a quad because there was also Mischief Makers. And then... I have that. The last one was... Oh my UK god. Oh, you said that. My brain just lost my train of thought completely. There's a game. It has hotels that you sleep in. Mystical Ninja starring Goemon on the 64. Okay. I'm, I've only played a little bit of the Super Nintendo one, but like that series just... I, it, even with it being really Japanese, I just think it doesn't appeal to me. I've tried the Super Nintendo one. It just was like, eh. I would really consider the Nintendo 64 one just because it does some really, it goes really off the wall from its core premise mm-hmm. compared to, I think, some of the, the 2D ones. Like there's like a whole mecha robot segment and there's like an opera section with the villains where they're just like singing. Like it just gets really out there. Were there any other games we had? 
I think that's it for games. Do you want to move on to questions? Yeah, let's see the questions, the questions that people have today. Right, let me get a sip of water. I'll get a sip of this <clears throat> Mountain Dew spark-flavored raspberry lemonade with other natural flavors. All right, so we only have a few questions from Discord. Oh, there's one thing I, I guess we'll save it we didn't talk about was uh, Microsoft bought. Oh, yeah. Activision Blizzard. That little footnote but, doesn't matter. But that. I want to talk about that, but I know Ken has a lot to say, so, like... Yeah. Well, wait. I still think that's a bad... It's bad. It's a it's bad deal overall for everyone, but hopefully the people working at Activision Blizzard will uh, finally be treated better, but we'll see. Yeah, that's pretty much... That's pretty much the thing for me. Like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, I... My lean is this particular instance of this happening is not a bad thing given the companies involved however industry-wide it's a bad thing like it's a bad yeah, thing for long-term the effects you go ahead and say long-term effects of this like the more companies are owned by one single company the worse it will be if sony starts doing this it's going to be driving a huge wedge in things long term yeah and mm. not to mention it'll get weird when we have stuff like now we have Square Enix Sony Incorporated <laughs> like just appending all the names together so it's if, I mean Square Enix I feel like it will be bought out here in the next five years just based on their financials but we'll see like I, I'm, I'm basing this completely on just like how people talk about them just kind of like looking at their business things and seeing how much more they're partnering with Sony I feel like Sony's going to buy them out in the next five years yeah but we'll see I mean like all the next P- like Final Fantasies are exclusive to PS4 or PS5 right now. Seven remakes all on there. I don't see that coming to Xbox. 16 is exclusive to PS5. Yeah, there's really no reason. The thing is, Sony, for some reason, has never been interested in, like, owning the development studios the way Microsoft does. They just bought Bluepoint, though. So, like, I think they're going to go on this, too. But I don't know if they have the same amount of cash as microsoft have microsoft's willing to like spend a lot of money to get something for long term like you know like 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 they snapped up zenimax obsidian uh double fine ninja theory they got actors in blizzard now like they've been buying up studios left and right and then sony's been like not so much doing that they've been more closing stuff but i just I feel like they're going to start needing to pull in stuff that's more than just their main, like, you know, four studios that make them stuff. And that started with Bluepoint. So we'll we'll see where that's going to go. But yeah, let's go on to our questions. Um, our first one comes from Retro Kevin. Uh, he actually does YouTube stuff. You might like him. That's, is um, this the Kevin from earlier in the that's, podcast? No, 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 no. This is Retroactive Kev. Okay. You might actually like his stuff. He does stuff on YouTube as well. Oh, okay. Um, he was asking, how do you feel about the re- the response of triggers in the PS5? Because you have the PS5, I have an Xbox Series X, so like... Yeah, yeah. We're going to be uh, a little so, different on that. So the response of triggers, was this... The first thing, is this a... This is not something the PS4 had, huh? No. Okay, PS4 so, was like standard ass controller. It's it's incredible to me then that as I'm sitting there using the, that controller and playing stuff that was like a PS4 exclusive, like there's literally functions mm-hmm. in Detroit Become Human where like there are moments of where you have to like push the triggers and you can use the responsive triggers to dictate how like 
how much you're actually applying that that action uh and it actually carries over mm-hmm. into the game too like it'll it'll go slower or go faster depending on where you set the trigger uh it's really good it's it feels especially good in first person shooters to the point where i've literally been sitting here saying this is the last time i'm buying a new pc unless it literally dies because Mm -hmm. even if a controller is theoretically more awkward to work in first person with some of the benefits that i'm getting from the tactile feedback of a controller is actually appealing enough to make that not matter as much and like like I was making sure you know what the responsive triggers you're talking about like where they like where the controller fights you back kind of or like it, it yeah, makes yeah. more like it's like a, it's, okay I'm just it, making sure you know what it, I mean. it simulates actually like pulling a trigger on a gun in a way because there mm-hmm. is that that moment where like okay you pull on the trigger and it goes some of the way but if you actually want to shoot a bullet out of a gun you do have to like actually apply some pressure and that's the same thing here where it's like it goes down some of the way but you're going to have to commit to that trigger if you really want to push it down. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's a great feeling, and it's it's an amazing innovation that I never would have thought of. You know, it's kind of like, when you think of the Switch, the idea of saying, well, what if we take our motion controls but put it on a portable system? That's sort of like just the next logical step that Nintendo could have made with the way they were designing mm-hmm. their console. With the PlayStation, it's like they had to think outside of the box to make that. Like that wasn't obvious. That wasn't like, okay, this is how we're gonna make our controller marketable to me. Um mm-hmm. you know, some of this stuff was obvious, like, okay, flashy lights that respond to whether or not your health is low or whatever. That's cool, but kind of sensible innovation. The triggers are just out there. Yeah. Uh, the follow-up with this was how, if it was different from the Xbox Series X controller. So I have the standard one for that, and I have the Elite controller. So I'll go off the standard one. So we don't have the 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 triggers that fight back, but starting with the Xbox One, they incorporated rumble into the triggers that kind of mimic... So like when you're shooting a gun, it will do like the... Kind of like on the Switch, where it will do like the rumble of like the gunshots like if it's like a burst shell go like bum 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 or if it's a single one it'll maybe be a stronger one for a shotgun and with some of the games when you get close to the end of a clip it will start mimicking like like i don't know how to describe it but like you can feel with each shot that like there's like a recoil or something getting back to the point where like it's about to run out like you you get a response that you are running out of ammo so, like, if you have, you know, if you're hard of hearing or if, like, you can't see, like, the counter of the gun very well, you can still pay attention to, like, oh, you can feel I'm almost out of ammo, something like that. And other games have used it for different stuff, too, but, like, the triggers rumble. And I've kind of liked that. They also, like, start like, it's the exact same controller from the Xbox One, but they've updated it since then. Uh, they kind of knocked it out of the park with that one, like, just as far as comfort. The new one, though... Um, I don't remember if they had it because they started using this controller on the Xbox One towards the end of its life cycle. Um, there's textured plastic grips, so like it actually feels good in your hand. So like it, it actually like gets some grip on it instead of smooth plastic where you just slides off like the original one. Um, the D pad's a lot better. It's really clicky though, and then it has, so it has those triggers. And then there's a share button that's down in the middle. So you don't feel like it's in the way. Like on the PS4 controller, I'm always hitting the share button because I think it's they're yeah. like they made option and share. And on like PS2, it was start and select. 
So like I still always hit the share button. I'm like, fuck, I don't want this. Yeah, it's the same. This thing one for has me. the share button in the middle. So like you have to actively go there. There's still the start button or menu button and the options button. They still have them. Yeah, which makes sense. The 360 controller works similarly, where like all of the all the social sharing features are are masked in the in the Xbox button. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer that because like. I've only recently been doing this where, like, um, I think if I didn't have an... I've been using the Elite Controller, which doesn't have that extra button because that's replaced by a profile swapping button. Um, I've been using the share thing on that more because I'll think about it to hit it, and it's a lot more natural. I hit the the guide button, then I hit the X button, and it saves the past 30 seconds. The PS4 never felt good trying to save your your video, and, like, I never tried it with the Xbox One because mine's a launch one, and it's slow as shit. I mean the PS5 is fine with it because if you if you're trying to share like the 30 second video you can just like hold the share button down and it'll automatically mm. commit like that means video clip saved basically. Mm-hmm. Um it's it, it really only suffers from the one still persistent problem which is damn it I thought that was select because I've played too many video games on too many consoles where that's where the select button would be. And I'm just like, how do I get to that other game menu now? Hmm. <laughs> but I think they, like, I think them and Nintendo, the Pro Controller I really like, the Joy-Cons I like them, but they need to be a bit beefier. I think Sony and Microsoft have kind of hit the point of where they've made the optimal controller. And unless they just in- introduce, like, a new or incorporate a new feature, there's really no reason to change it. I feel like they've landed on the... This is the controller that works because the Xbox controller from the Xbox one to now is the same basic shape. It's just gotten better. And I think if Sony stops reinventing the wheel every time now, starting with the PS3 controller, they could land on the DualSense and just leave it there and just update that over time. I, I hope I, they do. And I do think that they've they they've really gotten to a point with it where it has so many outstanding features that that coming from someone who hadn't owned a PlayStation since the PlayStation 2, um, it was just, like, mind-blowing to look at it and be like, okay, so now it's got this color monitor that tells me my health on it. Um, This little thing in the center is actually a trackpad, and there are some games that implement it for, like, swiping through, like, Mm -hmm. pages of dialogue or something. Um, They had that on the PS4 as well. Like, it's it that one, it didn't feel as good on there. I hope it feels better on the DualSense. It's pretty good. I, I don't dislike it. Like, sometimes it's not the most responsive. Uh, I did notice that when playing Detroit, where, like, I'd swipe down, and because the the swipe motion in-game is showing that I have to, like, push down, and, and sometimes it'll only detect it if I start from the top of the pad and pull down. Mm-hmm. If I'm just, like, starting in the middle and pulling down doesn't count. So, like, there is definitely a little bit of wonkiness on that that they could probably improve. But um, everything that was in the Astro Boy demo just blows my mind with what you can do with it like it has i've heard that's really good it has gyroscopic tracking the triggers allow you to control how much you're like jump jetting and if you want to like do a a double jet jump you can just use the tactile trigger to to basically control your double jump um there's a function with the built-in audio where like you you can literally hear the the mm-hmm. sounds in the there's controller. There's a speaker in it. Yeah, there's a speaker in it. So they, that's another holdover from the um, PS4. PS4. But I think they in- incorporated a small microphone in the DualSense. Yes. Yep. That's there too. So there's like 
sections of the game where you'd like have to blow on it and it would <laughs> do something which is stolen from the Wii. I know that the mm. Wii had that idea first. The DS. But uh and the DS as well, yeah, even older. Um as as cool as like that controller sounds and I do like it. I do kind of like that the Xbox one doesn't have a ton of bells and whistles on it for the standard one cuz like the one problem I like I said before, I'd cost. always misclick and- on stuff or like um the middle pad like I, like some games, you would tap on that middle button, and that would bring up the menu because that's what they replaced the select button with. Yeah. But then, like, if you accidentally tap the pad a bit too much, if it decided that's how you control the map, it would zoom you across the side. Like, okay. And then, like, that means like when I have like the elite version too, which is the Xbox, like the nice one. This is like the premium hundred and something dollar controller. There are paddles on the back. I can remap. There are, I can take the sticks off and replace them. I have like the analog stick for the left one for this. It looks like the GameCube controller. And then the other ones looks more like a standard uh, Xbox controller one. Then the D-pad changes too. There's like a standard one. There's one that's like kind of a disc that's eight ways. Um, on the back, I can see how much, like, you know how with the triggers for yours, you can like, you can like, um, there's the, what you call it, responsive. Yeah. I can set how far down. Like I can either have the basic one where it presses all the way down, one notch down. Uh, it goes like halfway. Oh, and then, like, cool. all the way down, it works as, like, just, like, a button. So, like, if you have a game where you're just, like, doing really quick tap-tap-tap shots, like, I've been using it. I put it down, like, halfway for Halo for a shooter because I don't need to go all the way down for a game that doesn't base it on how far in you click. But that way, it's not just, like, me accidentally tapping it all the time. So, like, there's so much to customize with this, but it's nice that this is optional. Yeah. This is not something you have to get. I just wish it was cheaper, but it's also has a built-in battery and a charging thing. It's really nice. This is a really nice controller, but it helps me for my carpal tunnel shit. Imagine if you could bind, like, a PlayStation 5 controller to an emulator and then give it to a speedrunner and be like, all right, now you can finally actually just half-press A with the trigger. <laughs> you can literally... It will literally let you do it. A quarter <laughs> press of an A button. I got that stuff always the whole video for that is so funny. I don't even know how to like it's not it's not supposed to be funny, but it really is. Alright. Um last question we have is from Black Shotgun. Are you satisfied with your console or do you wish more games came out for them? Do you think there will be a P- there will be still be a PS5 shortage? I can answer that. There will still be a shortage as long as they're still using the chips that are hard to come by. I think both companies are gonna have a refresh for their, for their systems or like maybe the internals only will be refreshed here in the next year or so just to combat that. I think they're working on it now just so that they're easier to produce. Definitely. So my... Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, so yeah, go ahead. So my response to both questions, am I satisfied with the console or do I wish more games came out for them? I am satisfied. I am biased as, as I said before, I came from the PS2 to the PS5, so I have an entire shit ton of library of games that I could not you have, play. You have the entire PS4 library to go through still. Yeah, and I'm still working my Did way you... through it. Like, again, I'm playing Detroit Become Human right now. I do have some PS5 games, but I don't feel wanting for mm-hmm. for content right now. I'm still trying to catch up. Um, do you have Plus as well? I do, yep. So you got, like, those 20 free instant game collection games right away, too, as well. So yeah, you, like, started your, you started with 20 games that you, yes. a while of them you haven't played. Yes. Yeah, almost all of them I haven't played. Um, so it's actually overwhelming. It's like I have a Steam library, but on my PlayStation. Um, now, I, I'm i happy with mine. 
I do want to get a PS5 at some point, but I bought my, my Series X for a couple of reasons. One, I was tired of waiting for a PS5. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, I want to play Returnal, which I'll probably play once. And I would probably borrow that from Tom and not really be that into it. Because it looks cool, but I just... You, you played it. You don't, I don't think I'm going to be that interested in it long term. I don't think I'll ever beat that game. I, I, think I want to play Reg. I, I think it's really tricky to know. Um, just because yeah. with my experiences, I didn't think I'd really care for Returnal either because by its nature it's basically a bullet hell but Mm -hmm. but functionally playing it it just feels so good to play i think the playstation's mechanics help make that genre feel so Mm -hmm. much better to play that it may not even be returnal necessarily being good as much as it is just the perfect storm of like new technology with the right Mm -hmm. genre I definitely would need to play that one, like try it before I got anywhere with it. For sure. But like that was one. I want to play Ratchet and Clank, but that game's like five hours long. I'm not spending $70 on that. By the time it's down to 20 bucks, they'll have PS5s available and I might have money again. Well, I bought, so I bought my PlayStation 5 as part of a bundle and that game was part Mm -hmm. of the bundle. It did mean I spent a bit more money for my PS5, but it means, yeah, I got Ratchet and Clank alongside Miles Morales. Um, so, and see, like I kind of want to play the Spider-Man games, but I'm not a big, like, like Marvel person. So, like, right. I would probably like borrow that and like be wishy-washy on it, maybe. And like the other games I want are um, multi-platform. Are like I want to play Final Fantasy VII Integrate. It came out on PC. I don't want to buy it yet, but it will go down in price. Or I could just wait. Or I could go play that four-hour DLC at Tom's house. <laughs> like it's. Little things like that. Like, there's stuff I want to play, but I realize after a while, all the games I want that are only on there that are going to be worth buying at launch are not coming out for at least another two years. Final Fantasy VII Part Two, not for a while. Final Fantasy Sixteen, not for a while. Uh, and then stuff that hasn't been announced yet. Or like, um, I want to try Deathloop. Guess what's coming back to Xbox soon because Microsoft bought the studio. Deathloop. <laughs> and then the other one, uh, Tokyo, what was it called? Ghostwire Tokyo, it might be coming out on PS5 first, but it's going to come out on Xbox because Microsoft bought the studio. So, like, a lot of stuff I was like, oh, I need this for PS5 for this. It's going to be on PC or Xbox eventually. And, like, the big thing I bought this thing for was true backwards compatibility. It doesn't have 100%, but, like, there's a game on the original Xbox called Breakdown. It is a first-person shooter slash beat-em-up in, like, for the original Xbox it's playable with the disc or a download on the Series X with a boost to make it 60 FPS. The original Xbox, a game that came out probably 2003, this thing has compatibility with older games, which I need because I have an Xbox that's in good shape, but it's bulky. I have a 360 that is, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it does not. I have a launch Xbox One that is not in, like, I haven't used it a lot, but it's slow as shit. This thing plus Game Pass will give me everything I need Especially because I don't plan to buy any games for a while. I'm still pretty broke. I mean, you know, I know streaming's used to make so, so much money in this job, in this line of work. Oh, so much money. So much. You're just like... So much. I can spend $180 every month on, you know, three new games. No, name that. Sorry. $210 because we're at 70 bucks now. Oh, big Everything spending. first party from Microsoft or a studio they own is on Game Pass Day 1. I played Halo. That game came out. It's still $60. I played it for... Not free, but I mean, I paid... 
it, this came with three months of Game Pass. I had already had one month of Game Pass for a dollar. I had gotten another free thing of, thing of three months from Keymailer, and then since I kept on auto renewal, I got another free month. I have only paid for the three months of Game Pass that came with this because in the bundle, and I have it till September. I there are a lot of games coming up between now and then. I am buying an an, an actual Xbox Series X game in March, but that will be my first one I buy, and probably the only one I buy for the system until fall. So, like, this just has, like, for me, who is a broke-ass person that wanted a new game experience that I can play stuff on here, on my original Xbox, or my original Xbox One, on my PC, and I can stream it all to my phone, this was the better choice for me. But I still want a PS5. But I want everything. I want everything all the time. I just realized what a nightmare some of these sentences are going to be, even just, like going forward like the minute that we move to another generation you're going to be saying things like i i was having so much fun playing on my original xbox one series x (laughs) yeah it's really it's annoying because i have my original xbox which we used to call you know the xbox one because there's the 360 then like we just call it the you know the first one but it's the original xbox the xbox 360 the xbox one the xbox series x i hate their naming conventions but now I can call the new one the XX. There's also the Series S, which was an option for the exceptionally broke, who just wanted to have like a shitty console because they needed something. I think, I think that one is a good purchase if you are like, I just want to play a couple new games that come out here and there. There's going to be a big gap between what it will be able to do between now, like in a couple years, they're going to have to refresh it or re, or like make it stronger or something because like it's really just an Xbox One X architecture put into a um a discless digital only thing yeah but like for people who are just like i just want to play a couple of games here and they like you know they they or it's like you know for a kid or just like it's their secondary system if i had the money i would probably get a series s because like you can all put in the same i don't think there's even really much of a limit on how many xboxes you can have together um and i'll probably get one for another room like say we had like you know a, a real house stuff like that i could keep the x in my 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 office i could put an s downstairs pick up the game on either one they even made this cool feature i don't know if the ps5 does it um you can assign an, a profile to your xbox controller and sign into any like other system with that controller instead of having to type in your stuff every time you go anywhere like your controller becomes your memory card oh and then all of your memory card stuff, as long as it's connected to the internet, it just automatically cloud saves everything. All of my saves from my Xbox One transferred to my Series X with no effort from me. Where Sony's is like, well, you got to pay for Plus, and then you have to hope that you enabled cloud saves for the game. And then sometimes you can download them, but if you're trying to update your PS4 to a PS5 game, you can't always do it. And you have to, it's just like pain in the ass to yeah, do. Not- and this one's just like, we got you. I'm not super familiar just because I haven't... I mean, obviously, there's no way in in hell that I can transfer anything from my PS2 to my PS5. Mm. But, like, there is a... um, There are some nice, like, just uh, creature comforts that came from it. Like, when I went to visit my folks, um, you know, I didn't want to lug the giant PS5 with me and unhook Mm. everything. So I, I went there and... For the most part, I didn't interact with my PlayStation at all, but there was a part where I was like, I really want to play the pedestrian right now, and I'm not at home. Well, let me Mm. launch the PlayStation remote play thing and see how that works. So I launch it, and then after, after setting it all up, it has the magical ability to remotely turn on my PlayStation 5, and Uh then 
let me play my PlayStation game on my PC as long as I have my PS5 mm. controller with me. So I had the PS5 controller with me, hooked it into my laptop, used remote play, and I was playing my PS5 miles away. Uh, and it was How was the uh, delay on it? Very minimal. Um, there was a point probably near the final half hour of play where I started to have some hiccups because I think my network was just crapping out. But for the most part, it was very playable. Uh, I even played a little bit of um, Kingdoms of Amalur, which is like kind of an action-y third-person Yeah, I know game. what it is. And it was fine. Like, I probably wouldn't do like a competitive multiplayer game with it, but anything single-player is totally within reason. I both The Xbox and, that, and the PS4, or PS5, like even PS4 has as well. Like, the remote play for Sony and Microsoft has come such a long way that like, like I, um, I bought a little clip from my... Um, my other controller like this the controller that came with the system i have in the other room with the clip on it and then my my elite controller i use the xbox but i can put my phone in there with the clip and just the bluetooth play games from the other room so i can actually sit in the other room i don't have to move my xbox anymore and just like sit there watch tv with my girlfriend while she's playing her game and i can just like play a little something i tested it with halo wasn't too bad um i played it with resident evil for some reason when it changed some scenes it tiled but like halo was like most time fine um i tried a couple other games the response time was good i know we're in the same room but our upload's really bad our internet's not very good here even with our bad internet i was able to like play games like that and i've done that with my ps4 before as well um even just in the other room it just saved me the trouble of unplugging things and plugging things back in and moving them yeah i like i didn't care when i was I d- a kid but as i'm getting older you just have less and less tolerance for repetitive menial tasks uh, like unhooking cables. also these things are fucking heavy yeah the these PS5 are heavy. huge it's a fucking it's my thigh <laughs> so like i need so, to um, not carry that with me this thing's several pounds like the guy brought it and he just like put it down like he brought the box put it down on the ground in front of me he's like you can take it in the house i'm like okay <laughs> but so i got so i said i got this on like the friday before i got my shot i think it was like the wait what day was that I got this on the 14th. I got my COVID shot the 15th. The 16th is when I got my um, side effects from it. My girlfriend was at work on a 24-hour shift. I just wanted to live in, sit in the living room and play games. I had, like, y- you know when you got it, like, the, the side effects, you just feel really weak? Oh, yeah. I was, I lugged my Xbox, like, looking like fucking Gollum, <laughs> hobbling around the with precious. this thing. <laughs> Yeah, like, don't drop my precious, like, just trying to get in the other room. And then I slam it on top of my original Xbox One. It's just sitting there who's just like, bro, this is too heavy. I'm like, deal with it. You're not on anyway. Just so I could play games in the other room. And then I bought the clip because, like, the whole time I'm like, this sucks. So then I ordered the clip from my controller from my phone. Yeah, it's it's kind of... They've solved a problem of their own design, but I mm. don't mind it. You know, it's it's functionally a thing. It, it makes it so that I don't feel locked to my Switch library when I go places. So, so that's neat. Um, also, to answer the question about the PS5 shortage, because I didn't actually address that question yet. Um, yes, there will still be shortages. I can't say with 100% certainty for how long, but at minimum, you're looking at 2024, which is when Intel is going to finally have their chip uh, manufacturing plant online in the U.S. So mm-hmm. if if literally we, we just continue to not be able to ship things from Taiwan, that's the, the like 
the worst case scenario is you're looking at another two years of shortages of PS5s. I think the demand by the I think by the end of the year the demand like they'll actually be able to keep a few of these on shelves Just by the end of the year. Just finally like went to work and stopped being uh, <laughs> degenerates mm. at home. Well, that too, games. but like if you look up the sales figures for the PS5 and the Series X, it's not like they're not selling. Like, they're selling a ton. It's just, like, when they come in, people buy them immediately because a lot of people are scalping them. But, like, it's not like they're... It's not like no one's getting one. It's just, like, you have to, like, watch all the websites like a hawk. Like, I, I was following some people to get this. And um, just for Microsoft... Or I bought it off GameStop. And, like, I bought mine. And, like, they still had some up six hours later. Like, people are still wanting. They're sold out now. And they're, like, still doing updates. But, like, that was staying in stock for, like, six hours. Like, PS5s go out quickly, but, like, those, I think, are all snatched up by bots. These aren't so much. Yeah. But, like, it's still... I If I didn't get one right then and there when I was ordering on stream, I could have gotten one after stream. I didn't know that at the time, but, like, they're starting to stay in stock longer. And I think by the end of the year, like, they might go out, like, within the day, but you might have a full day to actually order one this time. I won't... I won't say it's for sure the case anymore because maybe like the secret's out at this point, but I do know that if you're hunting for a PS5, having GameStop Pro was that's the best way to get one. That's why I got mine because I was trying to hopefully get a PS5. That's how I got this. Oh, okay. Um, so it, but yeah, like, yeah. I guess the cat's out of the bag with PS5s and GameStop Pro oh, at this like, point. GameStop Pro kind of sucks, but like. Like, because you're paying 15 bucks, but you get, like, a thing immediately that gets a coupon for $10 off your next, per- next purchase, so you're kind of paying $5 for it, and that's $5 plus their other bonuses, and every time I bought some more games from them since then, I've racked up some points, and this is not an ad for GameStop, because also, fuck them, I pissed, they pissed me off back in November, or in October, I haven't forgotten. But, like, you're paying $5 at the end of it to get a better chance of getting one of these, because they will hold them for pro- for pro members first. And since no one wants to buy a, a GameStop membership, and it is one of the cheaper ones of all the places like membership only, GameStop's one of the cheaper ones, and you get free shipping on this, and they usually get it to you within, like, I ordered it on Tuesday, I got it on Friday. Yeah. It shipped out, like, Thursday, like, Wednesday or Thursday night, and I got it Friday. Like, they'll get it quick to you in, like, $5, basically, to hold your place, and you can use that $10 off coupon for your Xbox or your PS5 or a game for it or something. I used it um, to buy... That's how I got Dead Rising 4 for free. That's how I justified it is I got that for free. It was but funny yeah. money, so it's fine. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's like, yeah, no, I only spent $5. It's like, no, you spent $15. You just didn't spend more than that later. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, brain. I don't need that. But yeah, that's that answers that question. I'm happy with what I got, but I still want the other one too for other reasons. Console gamer, that is me now. I like consoles. I don't like PC gaming. It just like when I'm at my PC, I'm gonna get distracted. I'm like, I'm just gonna sit here and want to look up video games or porn. I don't want to play like I want to play games. I'm gonna want to go in the other room and play games. I'm kind of there as well. It used to be a lot easier for me, but I feel like there's just this all of the the different game library hosting things like i literally have to do random roulette like random roulette used to be a gimmick for my streams it turned into the only way i can play games because i just cannot (laughs) mentally process my library in a way that allows me to choose one i will just sit here and comb my library for hours and end up playing nothing so i've kind of stolen your idea a little bit but made it tailored towards me 
on Thursdays, I make it so that I will be playing a game, people will vote on a game, be like, okay, react with one of these two emotes, and it will be one of the games, whichever one wins, will get it. The thing is, I don't say what game corresponds to which emote, and I don't pick the games till Wednesday night. And then I have my girlfriend assign number one or number two to them, and then that's how I know which one won. That's I, so it's 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 random roulette with more steps. Well, it's kind of funny because I think I've sort of um, maybe subconsciously seen your idea and sort of adopted it recently. Like I've been doing this um, this voting mechanism for my how I'm choosing games per month. Oh, I just started that recently. Okay, and and the way that that it works is basically it, it's a similar premise where hey, vote on these things. And they are all technically tied to a specific game, but I'm giving them to the audience in very like vague descriptors. So you're basically voting on a vague description in the hopes that it aligns with what you think that game might be. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the a closest guarantee. I think the closest I have to how you actually do random roulette is Sega Fridays, where people just give me the absolutely worst Sega Genesis games they can think of. <laughs> Every week, Pasta makes me play Altered Beast. Oh no! I hate Altered Beast so much. <laughs> oh no! Uh, I just I tell them no sports, no RPGs, and nothing that takes too long to get into. I've had some people like, "Oh, you should play this. It's a good game." I'm like, "Yeah," but your ten minutes that I play the game has been taken up by five minutes of intro, and then the other five minutes is me walking around trying to figure out where to go. It's like, do you, do you understand why this is bad for a ten minute long segment? Because we're just watching the intro. <laughs> we're just watching the game play itself. I hate that we had such an extended conversation about Mega Man 64 because now I'm having an internal conflict battle on whether or not I do what I, what, what officially is going to happen in February, which is playing Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, or if I just play more Mega Man 64. <laughs> Dude, play Mega Man 64. It won't take you that much longer to finish it. That's true. Yeah, I'm about it's four like, hours into it's it. It's like maybe point. 10 to 12 hours long, so like you could probably knock it out in two or three streams. Yeah, probably. Because Mario 3D World will probably get through quickly, too. It's not that long. I just need more time so I can play more video games. Mood. (laughs) Speaking of more time to play video games, anything else you want to get to before we wrap up? No, I think that was good. I apparently had things to talk about. I didn't didn't think I would. Yeah, I thought this was going to be like an hour long. I'm at two and a half hours my recording. Maybe this is just what I have to do. I have to enter with literally nothing in my brain, and then we'll actually have a good podcast that's no thoughts brain empty yeah (laughs) but thank you all for listening uh timber where can people find you if you liked what you heard today you can follow me on twitch.tv slash timber where i stream on wednesdays thursdays and saturdays starting at 7 15 p.m eastern time if you want to know when exactly i'm going to start playing there's now a timer on my opening screen so you can actually know that it's that you're not just going to sit there for an hour also, you can follow me on twitter.com slash where I post my schedule in case you're not watching this podcast, listening to this podcast. Um, and you can listen to me on youtube.com slash where I have top tens and really most recently just like a ton of very long form essay style content about things like Majora's Mask, Outer Wilds, and most recently, Deltarune. What about you, Kyo? You can find me Monday through Friday on twitch.tv slash Hunter from 7am Central Standard Time, where I play retro games, usually jank, RPG, horror, just generally bad or weird games that you may or may not have heard of. Uh, we are currently doing uh, a lot more games that feature Monkey and just random games like we're going through. We did Ape Escape Mega Man Legends this week, and on Thursdays I do a random game. My community votes, like I said, and then we figure out what it is the day of. 
Um, and then on Fridays, we do Sega Fridays, where we go through a bunch of different Genesis games and people try to put, make my life a living hell, which is fun. It's fun. It's, I promise it's fun. Um, outside of that, you can find me on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, all at Kyoto Hunter. My TikTok stuff, I'm hopefully going to get back in the swing of things. I took a break, then I uh, recovered from my COVID shot, and I just have not gotten back to it, but I promise you stuff will be coming. Uh, just please clip, make clips, and that's how we make TikToks. Yeah, and in, in addition to that, if you uh, are a normal person who's usually here, if he wants to put something in here, I'll let him. But if not, you can find Ken on ongakuyu.com or on Twitter at yeah, OTYKen1. Yes. <laughs> and he's the one that edits it. And thank you so much yes, and, for doing that. And don't that. forget uh, that you can go there for, for Bang Dream and Anuyama. Aina Aiba. Aina Aiba. Aina Aiba. Aina Aiba. There we go. Hi, Robo K. Robo. <laughs> And more Aina Aiba and random musings about his daughter. Something like that. But thank you again for listening to this episode of Potosaurus. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. And this is Ken saying thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Potosaurus. You guys take care. Aloha.